Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy game day, folks, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big one tonight, first place in the Pacific, Golden Knights from Las Vegas in the peg to take on the Central Division leading Winnipeg Jets. We'll be all over it today. Mike McIntyre will join us, who's down at the morning skate today. We'll hear from Rick Bonus in just a few minutes, and we'll also talk about the upcoming World Junior Hockey Championships with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. Really unfortunate news for Winnipeg Ice Defense when Carson Lambos, a returning player, he was cut yesterday. So as great as the ice have been, it's the dominant team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League and in the West, uh, we'll have no players representing Canada at the uh, at the World Juniors. All that being said, though, we'll find out a little bit more about Connor Bedard, Fantilli, some of the talent that will be wearing the Canadian jersey. And interested to get Scott's perspective on what this event is going to be like. Well, everything that's happened with Hockey Canada change the way this event is put on will it change the focus on it and very interested to hear what the reception in halifax is going to be like uh and hey bomber fans you can start planning for 2023 the schedule is out darren bombing is going to come by a little bit later on today on the program we'll catch up with db see what he's got going on and discuss the bomber slate for the 2023 season of unfinished business um, big shout out and thanks to all of our sponsors, including Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Wallace and Wallace, Manitoba Battery, F Apparel, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Culligan Water. Should give a shout out to the gang at BP. Uh, was out there last night. Congratulations to everyone that made it to the finals next week for the second Boston Pizza NFL trip giveaway. Someone's going to be spending New Year's weekend down in Vegas seeing the uh, the um, 49ers take on the Raiders and the Golden Knights and Blues on uh, on New Year's Eve. It's been a great, great package uh, that someone will be winning. It's been a real fun year of Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football over at Boston Pizza. Uh, all that being said, we've got lots to get to, so uh, let's welcome in... Michael Remus to the program. Remo, I know I know you've got lots you want to get to today. Probably Board of Governors meetings as much as this hockey game tonight. Yeah, I got all, all the hot takes are flying here with this Board of Governors meeting. Has Gary Bettman talking, so everyone uh, wants to react to what he has to say. But, uh, but uh, sorry, people are talking to me in chat. But I'm more excited here for this Golden Knights uh, Jets game. Jets looking to get back on track after the loss in Washington and nice matchup in town. We actually just had some Jets news also just a second ago because waivers come out um waivers come out at one o'clock. The Jets just claimed forward Carson Kuhlman off waivers from the Seattle Kraken. So Kraken had Ellie Tolvin in yesterday. They claimed they had to put someone and I gotta look up uh Carson Kuhlman's stats us uh, I'll bring them up right now. He's played 14 games this year. He's got three points. He's 5'10", 184. He's, oh, oh, sorry. He's from, this is why he's attractive us. He's from Esco, Minnesota. He went to U, U Minnesota Duluth. <laughs> so natural fit, natural fit. And, um, you know, we were talking about Brock Besser. <laughs> I said he's got one quality attractive to the Jets. He's from Minnesota. The Jets were looking to acquire a forward, but they got another guy from Minnesota, uh, Carson Kuhlman. He's previously with Boston. Played 114 NHL games, 10 goals, 16 assists, 26 uh, points. 
Yeah, Kraken last year, Kraken this year, played 25 games last year, two and six for eight points. And in this year so far, on a Kraken team that has performed very, very well, 14 games played, one goal, two assists, three points. Uh, as you mentioned, he's a forward, a center, not huge, 5'10", 184, listed on Hockey TV. Um, so another depth addition for the Winnipeg Jets. But it, it's sort of an interesting pickup today, Remo, considering what we heard from Rick Bonus, as well as the uh, roster move that's happening for tonight. And, um, you know, we'll play this in a minute. Um, Rick Bonus hasn't been entirely pleased with the uh, fourth line as of late. Axel johnson Fialbi, the last waiver pickup for the Winnipeg Jets, is out tonight. Gustafson apparently moving to the wing and Big Stenny. There's Big Stan on the blue line. Big Sten up front. <laughs> Big Sten. I, <laughs> I like Big it. Big Sten is going to be in the middle. The uh, Blake Wheeler clone, at least by body type and body size, uh, going to get a chance to play. And I'll be honest, we talked a lot about Stenny. I mean, it kind of goes back to he was that one early signing when a lot was happening around the NHL and not much was happening here. And, you know, the Jets social media team very cleverly put out the Stenny and the Jets uh, tweet. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, big deal. Like, this is a guy that I think can play. Um, and I'm very interested to see how he, what he makes of this opportunity tonight. Um, because it's quite clear that in the bottom six right now, as good at times as it's been so far, I think there's still is question marks about some of the players, some of the fits right now. And it sounds like Stenland is first up to get an opportunity, and we'll see what happens with the, the newest member, um, former Kraken member Carson Kuhlman, who uh, will presumably be on his way to Winnipeg and will get here at some point today or tomorrow before the Thursday night game against the Nashville Predators. Yeah, big Sten, Kevin Stenland, off to a nice start with the Moose, 14 points in 19 games. Uh, we'll, we'll play the clip of why Bones uh, wants to get him in. He's going to play center. Uh, Gustafson moving to the wing, as you said. I'll go over the other lines. Connor Dubois, Isimont, Perfetti, Shafley, Wheeler, Baron, Lowry, Harkins, Gus, Steny, uh, Gagne, Morrissey, Demello, Dylan, Pionk, Sandberg, Schmidt, Hellebuck, and just quickly for Vegas, um, Eichel, he's out day to day. Jay Theodore, he's week to week. Zach Whitecloud, uh, month to month. That's their update. And Alex Petrangelo is out. I think due to a family situation, so he's out. So the Vegas is missing a bunch of guys, and um. Oh, here's, and, and, and uh, yes, Jets claimed Carson Kuhlman. Marat's tweeting, a 27-year-old right-handed Carson Kuhlman, a player the Jets have had interest in before. He's another Minnesotan, a former UMD Bulldogs teammate of Tony Notto and Samberg. So just anyone from Minnesota, just bring him up here. And I've seen comments about why are they taking out Axel. Look, I think they, there's no harm in trying Stanley. Let's see what he can do. They're looking to get more production. Axel, he looks good. Great flow. You know, model-like looks. Uh, he's got great speed, Huss. But two points in 24 games, that's Veselainen territory. So time to give someone else a shot. Uh, and we can play the clip from uh, Bonus here as well. Well, and of course, I mean, a big part was, uh, you know, the penalty kill. And, I mean, obviously, the penalty kill's been good. I mean, it kind of got had a bit of a slip up against the, uh, the Washington Capitals. Uh, but let's hear it from the guy that's making the decisions, Rick Bonus. Um, Bones spoke today going into tonight's matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights and right off the top was asked about Big Sten, Kevin Stenland, getting an opportunity to uh, skate in the top 12 tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. 
Mark's uh, speaking very highly of him. He's played very well at both ends of the ice, killing penalties, uh, playing power play, winning face-offs. I'm not happy with that fourth line at all. Uh, last game, they're two goals against, uh, not generating anything offensively. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, we're going to give it a different look tonight. He's they, that's what we have. I mean, Manitoba, Mark and his staff do a great job preparing these guys. So uh, he's playing well, and we're not happy with what we're seeing. Let's let's give him a chance. He can play both, but would you use him at center today, or would you use him on the? He can play both. He's been playing center down there, and I want to see how he does in the faceoffs. Okay. You know, a different league, obviously, with the faceoffs, but I want to see how he does with that. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on uh, Kevin Stenland coming in and playing center tonight. And I'll say this, Remo, he kind of talked about what Mark Morrison's done with the players with the Manitoba Moose, and I think that you know, considering the impact Mikey Isimons had what Jansen Harkins has looked like since going down to Manitoba and then coming back to the Winnipeg Jets. I think it bodes well for players that are in that mix right now. And certainly Stenland's played well. Bonus mentioned both ends of the ice, which would be very important. And uh, he's going to be a big body on that fourth line right now. And uh, Bones, once again, not mincing any words, not too pleased with what happened with the fourth line on uh, on Sunday night. So uh, someone else is getting a chance, and that is the competition the Jets have right now at the depth uh, part portion of their lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. We talked, uh, it's funny, we talked yesterday about Stenny uh, possibly getting in, and then they sent him down, I guess, because it was an emergency recall, but they called him back up, uh, called him back up today, and they're getting him in. They don't want people to sit. They want him to play. I don't think there's any harm in Switching things up. I see a lot of Axel, uh, Janssen Fialbi fans in the chat. But um, Oh, do we have a free Axel movement that's already uh, already like building in the chat right now? They like his speed. They like his hair. Look, Stanny's got long hair, too. We saw it, uh, <laughs> we saw it at training camp. So, hey, look, he's a big guy. They lost him in a line. He's a big guy. He can kill penalties. Center, why not uh, try it out? I, I like how they're kind of going with a, I called it like an outfield rotation here on the fourth line. Um, you know, keeping everyone sharp. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what Stanny can bring as he does look like a, a Blake Wheeler clone. Uh, all right, let's move on for a little bit more from Bones. And uh, it was it is an interesting question and response. Bones was asked about the perception that the Jets would revert to playing a boring style because he was the head coach. Here's what Bones had to say about that. I don't understand anyway because I know it's coming from Dallas, but in Vancouver, we led the league in scoring. In Tampa, we led the league in scoring. So I don't know where that stuff comes from. Somebody takes a look at analytics or whatever, and no, that's, you know, I'm not a label guy and I don't read that stuff anyways. But it, it, when I heard about it, I said, well, that's interesting because I just left Tampa. We led the league in scoring and we led the league in scoring in Vancouver. So I've been around a lot of great players, been around a lot of elite offensive players in my career i know you let them play <laughs> all right there's rick bonus from uh, from this morning uh meeting with the media now one of the interesting topics around the winnipeg jets was they simply need to defend better um they need to give their goaltender a little bit more help and it has to be a full five-man unit that is defending and certainly we've seen that systematic changes uh bear quite a bit of fruit so far up until this point in the season. Just look at the standings. Uh, but Bones was got into a bit of a conversation today about first things first, defending well, and defense leading to offense. Here's what the Jets head coach had to say on that. 
Well, this system has to tighten up a little bit because I think we're giving up too many scoring chances. And then again, if you tighten that up, you're going to get more offensive chances. So I'm not happy with the chances we gave up the last game at all. We were, we we started slow, then we really improved for ten games and cutting down the grade A's. And then last game, I'm seeing guys walking down the gut scoring goals, which I hate to see. So if you play, if you play, you have five guys working together, regardless of your system. Whatever it's called, um, without the pack, and you're con- you're committed to get it back. You are going to create more offense. So I think our guys are learning that that it's not a, you don't have to go chance for chance to get to get scoring chances. You take care of your zone. You take care of the neutral zone. You're going to create more offense. So I think our guys are adjusting to that. They're also a lot more comfortable now with that defense is coming, and he's going he's going to keep coming. So uh, I know the the year we went to the bubble in Dallas, uh, we. We had trouble scoring the goal regular season. That training camp was strictly focused on getting the D up, and we had some success with it. So wherever these labels come from, I'm not a label guy. We know this team is starting to learn that if you defend properly, you are going to get more offense now. And that being said, again, I'm not happy with how we defended last game. So, yeah, but that stuff's going to happen. All right, so there's a little bit more from uh, Coach Bones on uh, defense leading to offense. Uh, one thing is quite clear, and we've heard it a couple times already. There certainly was some aspect of um, the uh, defensive game that we didn't entirely like in the Sunday night matchup and the loss at home against the Washington Capitals. And Bones expanded on it a little bit more, saying that they just simply have given up too many chances recently. You look at the last game, you mentioned you didn't like the, the chances you've given up, but you, you said, I you think, fourth overall in the NHL for goals against. Is it just last game you have an issue with, or is there a bit of a pattern with the chances? Because obviously Connor Hellbuck's played pattern. well. Yeah. Again, for 10 games, we really cut down on those great A's against. And that's the problem. Sometimes the analytics are all based on what you've done. I look at them in, in short-term windows. That's all that matters to me. We had a slow start. Uh, then we really tightened it up. And then the last game, I didn't like that. I didn't like Florida. We gave up a few too many there. But when you play 82 games, that stuff's going to happen. And we, but we address it right away, and we try to tighten it up right away. All right, there's Bones. Uh, so there's a little bit more on where the Jets are right now, talking about defense. The focus then turned to the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. And as Reem was, you just laid out. Uh, if there was ever a time to play Vegas, this might be it. No Pietrangelo, no Shea Theodore. Really unfortunate that Zach Whitecloud got hurt last game and is going to be out month to month right now. And of course, the... The guy, along with Mark Stone, that really is the offensive catalyst for the Vegas Golden Knights, Jack Eichel, now out day-to-day. Uh, but Rick Bonus was asked to look ahead and uh, give us his thoughts on tonight's matchup against the Golden Knights, who are 2-0 and against Winnipeg so far this season. It's, it's like these are, these are fun games to play. They really are. Now, to me, it's kind of a statement game, and... But I'm more interested in how we respond from the Washington game, to tell you, regardless who we play tonight. I want to see us respond, win or lose tonight. We, no one knows how that's going to go. I want to see us respond, regardless who's coming in. The fact that it's Vegas and we're both fighting for first in our division, first in the conference, yeah, that's, that, that makes the game a lot of fun. These should be fun games for the players, okay? Um, and, I, and I'm hoping that's, that's what we talked about. I'm hoping that's the approach they take. But the statement for me is more about how 
how we respond from Washington and the fact that it is Vegas where we haven't played well. Uh, it's the last kick we get at them. Yeah, let's take advantage of it. All right, there's Rick Bonus from uh, this morning after the morning skate. And I mean, this isn't the first time that Rick has reminded everybody that it hasn't gone well for the Winnipeg Jets against the Vegas Golden Knights so far this season in those two games that happened down in Sin City. Um, acknowledging the opportunity to go against the top team on the other side and maybe some good timing as well. But it all comes back to something we've talked about. The Jets have not allowed themselves to get into any losing streaks this year. Only once this season that they lost back-to-back games that was coming off a loss in Vegas and then led into that Saturday night loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs before the Jets really, you know, started their ascension uh, up the division. And, uh, but it's going to be a great one tonight. I mean, hopefully the crowds comes out. Hopefully there's a great atmosphere in the building. Um, we talked about the guys that Vegas is missing right now. And in a lot of ways, these are the opportunities you really have to take advantage of. Big game tonight versus Vegas. I like how Bone says it's a big game. This is a st- you know statement game or whatever he said. They're not going, ah, you know, it's just another game. We just play him on the schedule. It's like one out of 82. Uh, he knows the Jets are first. He's talking about the standings. He's looking at it. And I saw this debate on Twitter today. Marat was putting this out. Do you consider the Vegas Golden Knights a rival of the Winnipeg Jets? Um, someone was saying that it was is in the rival ticket package. But there was a Vegas fan who's like, oh, I don't consider the Jets, a, the Jets a rival. But I think a lot of people here still have a bitter taste in their mouth, even if it's a different team um, from 2018. And I think maybe there might be some residual hatred of Vegas coming in as an expansion club and getting to the mm-hmm. cup final their first year. I don't know where you stand on Vegas being a rival of the Jets. Well, I mean, listen, what creates rivalries? Um, Often playoff series. And yeah, for sure, ending up on the wrong side of that one, I think probably makes it a little bit more special for Winnipeg Jet fans to, to beat Vegas. But also, they've been one of the top teams in the league. And the other thing about it that we can't overlook is just all of the... You know, we talk about the Minnesota Mafia here in Winnipeg. Well, it's the Manitoba Mafia down there with so many connections from the ice to management to the broadcast booth <clears throat> um, from friends and people we know quite well here in Winnipeg. So are they a rival? I mean, certainly not at the top of the list. But when you have had some playoff history, you have had some big games, and certainly any Jet fan that's been down to Vegas before has seen the throng of Winnipeg Jet fans that hit up T-Mobile Arena when the team are there. So I would say they're not in the top category of rivals, but uh, I would say that they're right up there. I think if you ask most Jet fans, they would probably have Vegas in the top five at least. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm still thinking, remembering, like, remember the goal that uh, James Neal scored after, you know, two uh, taking a two-by-four to Hellbuck's helmet and it counted? I mean, you have oh, that. I think people are pissed off about people that. are mad about that. The playoff series. I think. Look, we got a poll in the chat right now. Uh, close to fifty people weighing in. Seventy-two percent say yes, they are a rival. And it is funny watching. A, you know, I turn into all the visiting bro- or, you know broadcaster in the league. You watch Vegas. It's all Manitobans. It's Darren Millard, Shane Knighty, <laughs> and Gary Lawless. And I can't help but laugh. And you got Kelly McCrimmon. So I think you do. Want to beat? He's like, you think you're too good for Winnipeg that you can just go to go to Vegas? I think there is some of that for in the front office. Well, of course, and Mark Stone, and we all remember there was a lot of people that had their hearts set on Mark Stone. And I mean, listen, I think it was pretty much a fait accompli that Stone was going to be going to Vegas 
when he was a free agent. And I think a lot of people around the league knew that. And, um, and they did exactly that. So, um, it's going to be fun. We'll talk about it more with Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes on the program. Couple things to get to first off, folks, before we bring in Scott Wheeler to talk World Junior. Uh, we are very excited to be working with the folks at AEW on some promotion. The big show coming to Winnipeg for the first time. Speaking of Vegas Golden Knights with all that Winnipeg talent, how about AEW? Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Don Callis. They will all be here on the first ever AEW event. We've been talking about this for a couple of years, hoping that it's going to happen, and now it is here. And tickets go on sale on Friday. So if you've got a wrestling fan in the family or are one of them, make sure to get your tickets on Friday. And stay tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're running a couple fun contests where you may be able to win a couple tickets to the big event. 2.45 today. We open up registration to Consolidated Supply. Winnipeg Sports Talk Marbles Tournament of Champions continues. Your chance to qualify for the championship race on the 30th to win 2023 Bomber season tickets. Can't wait for that. And a huge shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and our year-end Marbles Extravaganza. Check out cte.ca for everything Consolidated Supply has going on, including a great selection of amazing hot tubs. That might be a great addition to uh, your operation as we get into the cold months of winter. Um, thanks again to Wallace and Wallace for their great support. Josh Morrissey as well. Uh, the Unsung Hero program has been a great hit. Uh, Peter and Paulette are first winners of the Unsung Hero last week. And we're continuing this right through the afternoon. And hey, listen, at the holidays right now, there's a lot of people doing things volunteering, making a difference in the community, and they do it quietly, they do it selflessly. But we want to hear about them, and we want to reward them as well. Of course, we'll have another autographed Josh Morrissey jersey to give away to our Unsung Hero for the month of December. But you got to tell us about it, folks. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsports.com. Let us know that person in your life that's making a difference in the community and being a community unsung hero. And they'll go in the draw for the Josh Morrissey autographed jersey at the end of the month. Uh, man, the gang at uh, Donnie. Oh, yeah, winnipegsportstalk.com, by the way, for uh, for all of that. There's a link as well if you'd like to find out more about the Dream Factory uh, because with every Unsung Hero Award, Wallace and Wallace donates $500 and Josh and Margot Morrissey match it. So $1,000 each month as part of this promotion going to a very worthy charity in the Dream Factory. A uh, little warmer than it was last week. But it's going to be cooling down again, folks. You better make sure that that battery is good to go. If you're not sure, head on down and see Donnie and his great staff at at uh, Manitoba Battery. They'll test it for you, let you know where you're at in the life of the battery. And if you need one, you can get one at the best price in town, shopping local, right there at 1026. Slogan, if you do know that you need a battery, though, you can save time and save t money by just giving them a phone call or going online to manitobabattery.com. If you get your order in by 3 p.m., they will deliver it to you that day. Uh, there's only one company in town where you shop local, you save time, and you save money, and that is Manitoba Battery. Happy holidays to Donnie and his great staff. Pop down and see him, 20, uh, 1026 Logan Avenue, and again, online at manitobabattery.com. And just before we bring in Scott Wheeler, do have to give a big happy holidays to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. You know them as the spot for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. 
And of course, an incredible legacy here in Winnipeg, family owned and operated since 1936. But hey, with the holiday season is here, they carry Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products and amazing gift options like essential oils, candles, artisan soaps, bath bombs, lotions, chocolates, you name it. And great holiday food items, stuffing, cranberry sauce, non-alcoholic wines and drinks, perfect for entertaining. And of course, you can also pre-order your natural free-run turkey in-store today. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Folks, believe it or not, the World Juniors is just around the corner, and... Uh, Always great to welcome in our pal Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, who's been all over the selection camp out in the Maritime. Scott, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm just sitting in my hotel room here. This is my last day here in Moncton. I'll fly home tomorrow, spend a week of vacation with my family, and then right back out here, not to Moncton, but to Halifax on Boxing Day for the tournament. So a busy time of the year for me. Christmas is always a a bit of a gong show in the Wheeler household with the World Juniors. Yeah, you got to move a lot of things up. So, uh, well, happy holidays to you and yours and make the most of this next week because I know it's going to get busy. Hey, listen, I'm not sure you know this or any of us really know this right now. Before we talk about, you know, the cuts and what you've been watching out and a look ahead to the tourney, hard to talk about this event without talking about everything that's happened around hockey Canada and the world juniors over the last couple of years. Yeah. How do you think that all that is going to affect this tournament this year? Do you have any idea? Well, I think it's going to feel more like your, your classic world juniors from a fan's perspective, uh, by all accounts, it's sold out in Halifax. The two crowds here for the selection camp games in Moncton blew me away. Uh, I'm talking four or 5,000 fans in a 6,000, seed arena so that surprised me i've never seen crowds like that at a selection game when it's been held in calgary in the past or even around toronto in the past it's typically just media and scouts and a smattering of fans who are aware of it it it, it was a big event here they had a big ceremony to announce the team out in front of the arena and uh, it was shot on local local cable tv and all of that so it's it that part of it feels feels closer to normal certainly than the summer tournament did but I think you're going to see the ripples effects still of of both of the Hockey Canada scandals in in what it looks like in the rink mm. in terms of advertising on the boards, what it looks like on the TSN broadcasts in terms of uh, sponsors and, and advertisers there. Uh, there was a lot made in the summer tournament, obviously, of the fact that they were mm. there were they were airing infomercials uh, in 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 the gold medal game, right? It wasn't you weren't seeing ESO and TSN and um, you weren't seeing Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, et cetera. And I think that will be the same here. None of those, well, very few of those sponsors have come back. Uh, so it, it's it's going to be different from a financial perspective for Hockey Canada that way. Obviously, they're hoping that sold out, sold out rinks in Halifax can kind of soften uh, part of that financial blow. Uh, and then from, from a sort of very real perspective, Halifax was the the host city once upon a time when one of these two scandals flagging hockey Canada took place. Right. So you're now back in the location all of these years later where allegedly one of the the sexual assaults took place. So uh, a very, very complicated web for hockey Canada and for the tournament. And I really don't think it's going away. We've obviously now seen that they've announced this week, their uh, new sort of appointees, if you will, for the board. And we'll see what that board looks like. It sounds like it's going to be a shorter term board. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more diverse than it has been in the past. So 
uh, they're hoping that they're making progress there. And, and now it's up to folks like us in the media and, and fans to, to hold their feet to the fire and make sure that progress is made long term. You know, just talking about the sponsorship, I mean, having worked with Hockey Canada before and put on the 2007 World Women's Hockey Championships here in Winnipeg, you know, ticket sales are incredibly important. And that's part of the reason why that event was so great here. It was so, I mean, it was embraced by the entire province and the numbers were as big as we've had ever had at that point for a women's hockey event. But make no mistake about it, the engine of Hockey Canada has really been these premier sponsors that are involved in everything that they're doing. And I know they're still yeah. supporting the Paralympic, uh, the uh, the sledge hockey. Um, certainly the women's program is going to be supported. But seeing all of those companies back away from wanting to be associated with and involved with the men's program, in particular the World Junior program, um, it, it has a public effect. I mean, it was so obvious last year. I mean, that it was just sort of this bizarre world we're living in with our memories, not to mention it was in the middle of the summer. But, you know, I really do wonder what the financial effect is going to be on this event. I mean, it won't be what it's been before, but I think a lot of people thought that they were about to kill the golden egg anyways as they continue to grow that event and basically charge NHL prices and just put it in NHL rinks. Yeah, maybe part of this and, and part of the, the consequences of this, obviously the financial part of it really isn't what's important here, but maybe part of it is that they get back to some of their, their grassroots, right? Maybe it's not an NHL rink event where you've got to gouge people on prices and, and sell 20,000 tickets. Uh, I think they've, they've realized that that doesn't work. Obviously, they tried it in Edmonton. They've tried it in Toronto and Montreal twice. <laughs> Uh, and so we'll see. This is this is going to be interesting. I know there are several bids uh, and interested bidders for the next uh, World Juniors on home soil. This will be Canada's last for a few years. They've obviously had it several years in a row here. Uh, it goes to Gothenburg next year. The U.S. is due up, et cetera. But I, my understanding is that Winnipeg is interested in in hosting this tournament on a smaller scale than, than it was done in Edmonton and in Toronto and Montreal. Uh, certainly Quebec City and Trois-Rivières, who actually bid on this, this version of the tournament that's that's going to be hosted in Halifax, they're still interested. Quebec also bid on the Memorial Cup and lost on the Memorial Cup last year to the St. John Sea Dogs. So there there is interest in doing it uh, in some new locations and trying some new things. And I think they're going to see the success of this tournament in Halifax, which I have no doubt it will be a success from a fan perspective they're going to see that and see a full rink and see how loud it's going to get in Halifax and I think Hockey Canada is going to have a tough time after after that to going back to the way they were doing it which was quite frankly playing in half empty NHL rinks Scott Wheeler with us getting ready for the world juniors um well let's get to the team right now I appreciate you kind of touching on that right off the hop because I mean those will be topics we'll be talking about throughout the tournament uh, as far as the uh, young men that'll be wearing the red and white Fill us in on what happened over the past couple of days. I mean, now how competitive were these practices? How many players got cut? And I guess I have to lead with Carson Lambos because, of course, he's here, the captain of the Winnipeg Ice, who've been this dominant team all year, was a returning player. And I'll be honest, I mean, not that I've got a great knowledge like you of all the other players in the mix, but I was stunned when I saw that he was released from the club yesterday, Scott. 
Yeah, so a couple of things. First, they, they invited 32 players. Uh, they're now down to their final 22. Those two games were it. That that's, that was the only opportunity. They have in the past used their, their three pre-tournament games that they play to shrink the roster further, but they wanted this time around to just get to 22, get everybody comfortable, start working on lines, get the two goalies comfortable. They're actually eligible to bring 23, but they decided to bring 22 because they didn't want to bring three goalies. A... Uh, they don't like the idea of having three goalies in a practice setting. It just makes practices a little bit more complicated. B, they want their two goalies to know that there's nobody sort of looking over their shoulder. And C, the Quebec Ramparts get William Rousseau, who would have been the third goalie, back, which is a, a little bit of a nod and a, a helping hand to the CHL. So uh, that part of it is is all sort of sorted now. Uh, as far as, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Karsten was a little bit surprising. Not hugely surprising, though. I think what people miss in him getting cut as a returnee is that this isn't your typical returnee. That team that they played in the summer was a watered-down version, right? There, there were several players that weren't able to participate due to their NHL clubs. There were several others who were injured. There were players who just decided not to come. So this roster is a stronger one. This roster is a deeper one. And as a result, the guys that were at the fringes of the prior roster we're still going to have to earn it here. And Carson fit into that group. Same reason Riley Kidney, who only played five shifts in the summer, fit in. Carson only played one game in the summer, didn't play particularly well, and then lost his job to Ethan Del Mastro, who became a lock in this camp. So uh, he was going to have to play well this week. I actually thought he played quite well in the second game, but the first game was a tough one for him some ugly turnovers, some sloppiness. He was a step slow to a couple of pucks. He was hemmed in a couple of times, uh, and it just wasn't wasn't his best game. And as a result, it was a, a very difficult decision, I'm sure, for them to cut him. And then the third layer of it with Lambos is that uh, they have offensive guys that they're really comfortable with, and they wanted to sort of position those offensive guys with really big sort of strong types. And he just didn't really fit into, into either category, especially with Olin Zellweger as a dynamic offensive defenseman returning, and especially with Brant Clark being loaned uh, by the Los Angeles Kings, as well as Kevin Korchinski emerging to grab a third-pairing job. So it just became difficult. They wanted sort of three puck movers and three sort of really big, strong defenders who could penalty kill, and he didn't really fit into that six for them. Well, it's too bad, I believe, again, for the ice to get him back for a few more games, of course, and I'm sure... He and the rest of the guys on that team that won't be participating in the tournament will try yeah. and play well into the spring and show everyone that they're uh, ready for prime time. Well, Scott, they, just just before you go ahead, but the Winnipeg Ice not having a single player on Team Canada is great news for the Winnipeg Ice, and they're going to be the Harlem Globetrotters while all of these kids are away at the at the World Juniors. So uh, I'm sure the Winnipeg Ice and James Patrick and those guys aren't too bummed to have Matt Savoy and uh, and Carson Lambos and uh, Connor Geeky, the whole gang, uh, still intact. Are, are you surprised that that's the case? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, we watched this team play here in Winnipeg. They're so dynamic. They whoop pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. um, usually when you have teams that are that dominant, you know, at least a player or two gets uh, gets in the mix. Yeah, part of it, I think, is age with the with the two forwards in particular. Geeky and, and Matt are both 18-year-olds. They're both eligible to play in next year's tournament. I think the expectation is that both of them are going to be going to Sweden with Team Canada uh, next December, so I wouldn't worry about it that way. Obviously, Carson's in a different situation. Carson's a 19-year-old. His Hockey Canada World Junior experience is now over. Um, 
But Savoy, I think coming into the season, would have been a front runner to make the team. Uh, he was great at their Calgary camp two years, two summers ago. Um, so it's <laughs> it's been a bit of a journey for him. But obviously, Matt hasn't had the gaudy sort of counting stats that you'd expect out of a player with Matt's talent this year. And part of that, again, is because of the Winnipeg Ice and how talented and deep that team is. There isn't just one horse that they ride over and over again, like Connor Bedard in, in Regina, for example. So it makes it harder when the team is so balanced to put up those ridiculous numbers that you need. And as a result, Matt's numbers just don't look as glossy as some of these other players who made the team. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic with us. Uh, Scott, you know, before we talk about some of the returning players and some of the guys that we talked about last year at the draft, uh, what's really interesting about this club is the uh, number of players that are eligible for next year's draft that'll be in there. And of course, it starts with Connor Bedard, but he's not alone. Yeah, Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli are really the likely one-two in next year's draft now. Matt Vemichkov out of Russia is a special, special talent, but <coughs> because of everything that's going on, in Russia and because of his contract status in the KHL over there, which extends until 2026, it looks like Connor and Adam are going to be the the one and two in, in one of the best drafts we've maybe ever seen. And certainly one of the best drafts of the last five to 10 years. So it's uh it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those two kids. They're both going to play in the top six. I expect <laughs> they're both going to play potentially on PP one. If not, uh, certainly Connor Bedard's going to be on PP one and Adam will be, if he's not on PP1, we'll be on PP2. Uh, they've got a lot of forwards that are going to compete for those four jobs on the first power play. So it's not hard to imagine Shane Wright, Logan Stankoven, and Dylan Gunther being the other three forwards on that first power play with Connor Bedard, which would incredibly leave leave Adam Fantilli on the second unit. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be magic. Those guys aren't just underagers in the typical sense where they come in and they play a fourth line role. Those guys are going to be counted upon to be two of the best players in the tournament if Canada wants to win a gold medal. Um, we then move around. I mean, I'm just looking at the rosters and the potential lines that you've got up in your piece in the Athletic, and uh, there's Shane Wright in the middle of line number one. Um, how did he look? And Fill us in on where he's at right now, because of course he had the drop from number one to four. We all remember the stare down at the Habs, uh, Habs table after he got selected. And like often happens for 18 year olds trying to, you know, cut their teeth in the national hockey league. It hasn't been all smooth sailing so far. Yeah. Well, I can't say he looked like anything because he actually didn't play in either of the two games. They sat out the seven players who were presumptive locks for both of the games and, Obviously, Shane Wright was was among them. I expect that if he's not going to be the captain, that he's certainly going to wear a letter for this team. I expect that him and Logan Stankoven will be the one-two centers on this team. And <coughs> I expect him to dominate. If, if everybody recalls, his last experience at the World Juniors was not a good one. He centered the second line before the tournament was canceled last December with Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti finished those two games with six points and leading the tournament in scoring before COVID shut down the tournament at him. And despite the fact that Shane Wright was playing on his line, Shane only had one assist in those two games and was largely not a major factor. So this is an opportunity for him to restake his claim as one of the best players in this age group, if not the best player in this age group. And I expect that he'll do that. I think Shane's going to have a big tournament. I think he's going to score some big goals. And I think he's going to be counted upon late in games and be an important player in multiple situations. So uh, this is a, a nice sort of reset button for him. Who uh, who will be the horses that uh, the coaching staff rides on the blue line? 
Uh, really, on the right side, it's going to be Olin Zellweger and Brant Clark. Olin's a lefty, but this Team Canada, as usual, doesn't have many righties, and Olin is extremely comfortable playing the right side. So you're going to see Olin Zellweger as the number one defenseman on the right-hand side and Brant Clark as the number two. <clears throat> Those guys are going to play a lot. Outside of that, it's it's murkier. The left-handed side, you're, I think you're almost certainly going to see Ethan Del Mastro, one of the returnees, as the, the partner to Zellweger or Clark, a very sort of responsible, physical, penalty-killing captain with his team in Mississauga, that kind of a player. And then outside of those three, there's a lot that still needs to be figured out. A player like Tyson Hines, who worked his way onto this team, was a bit of a surprise. So they, they aren't big, big names outside of those three on the blue line, and they've got a lot of sort of six foot four, six foot five defensemen who play that sort of physical brand. And those guys are going to be competing for the sort of third pairing jobs. Scott, I, I, I always love talking to you because you've got your eye on all of the draft prospects and everything that's happening at the, you know, around the, the scene, if you will. I mean, it's more than just team Canada. What do you expect from team USA? And uh, in particular, Jets prospects, uh, including Chaz Lucius and uh, Rucker McGrory, who's had a pretty nice season so far as a freshman at uh, the University of Michigan. Yeah, Rutgers going to be a, a sort of good middle six winger for them. That's my expectation. He was obviously the captain at the National Development Program, has had a very strong freshman year as kind of a point-per-game guy uh, at Michigan. Chaz, a little bit more complicated, as always, seems to be battling an injury. He's been wearing a, a non-contact jersey in, in practices with them early on. He did skate in drills and sort of participated in the full practice today, and I think they're hopeful that he's going to be ready come Boxing Day. But if he is ready, he's probably that the second-line center on that team behind Logan Cooley and will be a, counted on to be a, a really productive player, play on the power play, all of that. He's going to need to, to score goals for them. I actually think... This American team on the whole kind of lacks talent. A lot of really good role sort of depth players up front, but outside of Logan Cooley and Cutter Gauthier and, and Chaz in particular, there isn't a lot of really sort of high-end skill in that roster. So if Chaz can be healthy and play for them, I expect he'll play a big role. Have you seen much of McGrody so far? I'm sure Jet fans would love to know what uh, what he's looked like uh, so far in Maze and Blue. Yeah, Rucker's been great. Uh, I, I've followed Rucker really closely over the years. Obviously, a fascinating backstory as a kid who comes from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, nobody who's come from there has ever made it this far, right? So uh, a pretty special story uh, that way. And then certainly this year, just doing his thing. He's a big, strong kid. He gets to the front of the net. He makes smart decisions off the puck. He's always been counted upon on whatever team he's played on as kind of a, a strong two-way player. Also a very smart player and a very, very athletically advanced player in terms of muscle. Uh, if you bump into him in the hallway, you'll notice it right away. He could step into an NHL dressing room right now and be one of the stronger guys physically. Uh, skating has always been the question with him, but I've never had, frankly, much of an issue with him uh, in terms of how he moves. And I think this year playing at the NCAA pace has been a nice nod for him because he he hasn't looked slow whatsoever and he has continued to be productive and play his game so i'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it they're going to have quite the reunion from that age group on this team cutter Gauthier, jimmy snuggerud rucker mcgordy they're all going to be sort of reunited and back together and it's that that was a really fun age group at the national development program so i'm looking forward to seeing where he fits in I'm going to pick Jet fans fell in love with Brad Lambert very quickly, seeing what he did in the NHL preseason. He's yeah. been playing with the Manitoba Moose. We all remember the way the World Juniors ended for him in the summer, which was with him in the press box. What are you hearing about Brad Lambert, and how does he fit into the Finnish team? 
he's going to be a first line player this time around. Uh, I think the f- the full expectation is that him and Joachim Kemmel, who was th- their top player this summer, <clears throat> they're going to be the guys. They're going to have to score. They're going to have to create a little bit of a thinner group uh, talent-wise up front than they've had the last couple of years. They've lost guys like Casper Simon Teivel and Ronnie Hirvonen and players who were big parts of their last couple of world junior teams have, are, have all aged out. So this is really his team now. It, it's 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 Brad's team. It's Koivinen's team. It's Kemmel's team. Those three guys are going to have to score seven, eight points mm-hmm. each in the tournament if they're going to be successful. And I think Brad's ready for that. Scott, uh, before we go, I mean, I know we're focused on the World Junior, but a big part of the reason why you're so into the World Junior is because you are the guy, the go-to guy for draft analysis. I've got to ask you about Zach Benson here in Winnipeg. Um, Where is he sitting right now on your prospect list going into the year? How has he been so far this season? And will we be be talking about him on Team Canada a year from now? Well, I think yes is the answer on Team Canada. I think he's got a really good opportunity to make the team as an 18-year-old. That's going to be a very difficult team to crack, as listeners to this show will probably already know. This is an excellent group out of the CHL in this age group, so there are going to be a lot of high-end 100-point 18-year-old CHL players who are going to be vying for only six or seven sort of top six jobs with Team Canada next year. So Benson's going to be in tough, even as great as he is, to make that team. But I expect that he will. Uh, and as for for my ranking, my update, my next list won't come out until February. My midseason ranking comes out after the top prospects game, which he will be a part of uh, in, in the CHL and in the USHL. And he he's going to be probably sixth. If I had to guess at this point, he'll probably be sixth on my list. There has emerged kind of a clear cut top five of Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli at the top, Matt Vay Michkov and Leo Carlson, three, four, and then stand out at the at the National Development Program. Will Smith is a, a big, big favorite of mine, and I'm I'm a huge proponent of him as a top five guy. So I think Will will probably be fourth or fifth in there with with Leo Carlson. And after that, there's a, there's another cluster of Braden Jaeger and Zach Benson and Edward Shawley, and you go down the list. There's there's several other really really high end players that are going to be top ten, top fifteen picks in this draft. And I've said since since the get go that I think Zach is my favorite of of that group. I, I'm a big big fan. He's small, sure, but I think he's stronger than he looks. And I love 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 the way he plays. Just an extremely hardworking, intelligent player. A very relied upon player defensively on that team. And, and the skill and the craftiness and the way he manufactures offense is pretty fun to watch. So uh, I think Zach's got a chance to be a, a high-end, high-end sort of top six NHL NHL player long-term. Scott, this has been so much fun. Uh, travel safely back home and enjoy your week before everything gets going. Uh, just quickly fill people in on what they can expect from your coverage in the athletic for the tournament. Yeah, lots of uh, sort of big profiles and features on some of the kids. I always write sort of five or six uh, profiles on some of the players, whether it's Americans, Canadians, Finns, Swedes. So you can expect that. Uh, And then on top of that, notebooks, um, my sort of thoughts as the tournament progresses. I normally do a notebook after the the round robin and another notebook after the tournament with standouts, et cetera. So just kind of constant analysis throughout. That's that's the goal. Scott, thanks so much for your time and uh, best of the season to you uh, a little earlier than everyone else. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. There's Scott Wheeler. Uh, Make sure you're following him on Twitter. Uh, He is at Scott C. Wheeler and all of his uh, coverage of the World Juniors and the draft. 
is at The Athletic. All right, Mike McIntyre is jumping up with us in just a second. Hey, we got the why not question of the day, and we're going to touch on this a little bit more with Remus later on. But the NHL Board of Governors meetings are going on right now. What issue would you raise at the meetings? I think everyone knows what mine is. This is the hill that I will die on. Three-point games make sense for the National Hockey League. I know Remus is still mad about the board advertising, the digital board advertising this year. So hit us up in the comments or in the chat on what would be your issue and your take you'd raise at the NHL Board of Governors meetings. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Of course, not Auto Court, great sponsors of ours since day one and the place to begin any search for a vehicle upgrade here in the city of Winnipeg. So many great cars, trucks, vehicles, including electric. They've been the Tesla leader for years here in Manitoba <clears throat> on the lot at Not Auto Corp. And if there's a particular make and model that you've got your heart set on, let the Not experts find it, source it, get it here to Winnipeg and get you into it at the best possible price. And with winter here, have you been sleeping on winter tires? <clears throat> Folks, it's an absolute game changer. We got more snow coming this week. Do not wait for that. And there's no excuse to right now because Not Auto Corp has winter tire specials and... The MPI payment plan. Why not get safe winter tires right now for you and your family and pay later at Not Auto Corp. Waverly and McGilvery and check them out online at not.ca. Fellas, speaking of upgrades, if you're thinking of upgrading the wardrobe, might be a good time to give a little gentle nudge to that special someone so you wouldn't mind an F apparel gift card for Christmas. Great deal right now on F gift cards. Buy $100, get $115, so a 15% bonus. And as you see right there, you can give the gift of style with the perfect fitting gift with just a few bucks. Um, custom suits beginning at $400. But if you've ever been into F Apparel, it's so much more than just suits. Chinos, golf pants, all sorts of shirts custom made to make you fit and look great. And obviously all accessories as well. Pop down and see them. F Apparel ephapparel.com, 190 Smith Street downtown, and make sure to ask them about the great wedding party specials if you're involved in a wedding next year, as well as those specials for 2023 graduates coming up in a few months. And hey, the WST hats are in. Saw a couple people wearing them yesterday. Shout out to Rob Barnsley, who picked up the new Bomber Blue and Gold version. Uh, but they are at Royal Sports right now. We got a gray and uh, a blue snapback variation, a black snapback variation as well. And then the more traditional 940s in two new styles, including the blue and gold WST wordmark one. So all the WST gear is there at Royal Sports, along with literally everything else. The biggest selection of Jets merchandise around, along with bomber gear, NFL merchandise, world soccer. Maybe you can go get a Messi jersey. It looks like Argentina's up 2 nothing and uh, very close to moving on to the World Cup final. Uh, literally, there is nothing that you won't find at Royal Sports for that sports fan in the family. And, hey, if you're involved in hockey, the biggest and best hockey selection and stock in town. It's all there at Royal Sports. Pop in for the holidays, 750 Pembina Highway. And online, on Instagram, I should say, at Royal Sports Pemina. Make sure you're following them for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and holiday gift ideas. All right, big one tonight. Vegas Golden Knights in town. And Mike McIntyre joins us on the program. Mike, what's up? How are you? Doing well, Huss. Uh, 
You say the Vegas Golden Knights are in town. I guess some semblance of the Golden Knights are in town because, man, they are they are seriously banged up. Seems like so many teams right now, and the Jets, of course, they're in that group as well. They're missing, you know, numerous players. Um, here we were, you know, we got used to players in and out of the lineup because of COVID. Nobody's missing games because of COVID now that we know of, but it just seems like the injuries are really piling up and a lot of teams' uh, depth is being tested. Uh, we've seen it, of course, here in Winnipeg and uh, that alone is prompting some changes to the lineup tonight and also another trip to the waiver, wild, waiver wire waters uh, for the Jets. Um, but yeah, it should be a good game. I mean, the Jets weren't happy with uh, their performance on Sunday night. Rick Bonus kind of called them out, seeing how this team has responded uh, earlier this year to games that they haven't been happy with. Mm-hmm. Generally, they follow those up with good performances. So sets the stage for uh, what should be a good Tuesday night down at the old barn. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, before we kind of dive into a bunch of the Jet topics, let's quickly go over for folks that may have just joined us for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. No Eichel. And when I think of the Vegas blue line, I really think of two guys. Alex Pietrangelo and Shea Theodore. Right. And, um, of course, the Manitoban Zach Whitecloud's become a very important regular member of that top six. He just got hurt, and he's out as well. Um, they really are depleted tonight, Mike. They are. And, and Huss, those three defensemen you mentioned, I mean, those are their three, I believe those are their three right shot guys. Like, they are obliterated on on one side. So they either have guys playing on their off they're offside or just a bunch of guys in their lineup who wouldn't be getting a sniff because of the the talent. So, yeah, I mean, you know, arguably their their best forward, I guess Mark Stone is up there as well with Eichel and he will be in the lineup. But, you know, arguably their best forward and their three best defensemen. <laughs> that's uh that's a massive hit. Of course, they also don't have their the guy that was supposed to be their number one goalie. He's out for the year and Robin Leonard, but uh uh, they've certainly, you know, looks like they've got some pretty nice goaltending this year from uh, from Logan Thompson. Uh, but Vegas, they they continue to roll, and they are road warriors, Huss. That their record at home is just kind of average. Um, they're not getting the Sin City bump, if you will, that lots of folks figured they'd get when they joined the league, right? Figuring teams would come in and spend a little more time extracurriculars in Vegas and and then when it came time to play uh would be in tough that visitors have actually had a really good record in Vegas this year but on the road the Golden Knights are are pretty much dominant so they'll be looking to obviously carry that on mm-hmm. the Jets have been really good at home uh most recent result aside so uh yeah something's got to give tonight and look I mean the Jets are in a stretch here of playing a lot of hockey and some good opponents uh you know, they played a Washington team that I know their record isn't great, but they've been, they've been rolling. Uh, they get Nashville here, and obviously every game with Nashville is, you know, a real physical battle. And then the Jets go for another set of back-to-backs this weekend. Vancouver, I mean, you never know what you're going to get with the Canucks. Hmm. Some nights they look great, some nights they look terrible. And then, of course, Seattle, who continue to roll, uh, and that'll be on a back-to-back. So it's a tough week for the Jets. Uh, and they will no doubt want to get things uh, back pointed in the right direction here tonight. You know, um, I <laughs> I was guilty of uh, 
predicting the Vegas flu on the weekend. Boston had that Sunday game. They'd just right. been in, they'd just been in Arizona Saturday night to themselves in Vegas. I'm like all over that, but maybe I should have paid a little more attention to how many guys were out of this Vegas lineup. Uh, and it just got worse heading into tonight's game. Bouncing back has been a real hallmark of the Winnipeg Jets so far this season. There's just, just a one, two game losing streak so right. far. And Rick Bonus cited that as well. I'll be honest, Mike, I kind of thought that the game on Sunday night wasn't certainly wasn't one of the Jets' best, but it really, from my opinion, was determined on special teams for the most part. Uh, Rick Bonus wasn't having much of that today. Um, called out his fourth line for the two goals and has made a change on that fourth line, bringing in, we joked that there's Big Stan on the blue line, Big Sten up front, uh, Kevin Stenland, and going into the middle as well. I mean, you were down there today. What did you make of Rick Bonus's comments and the moves that the team's making before we even get to what happened on the waiver wire? Yeah, interesting. Uh, Kevin Stenland, for people who haven't seen him, uh, you know, and he played a couple preseason games. Um, you and I, Haas, I remember we were standing near each other in one of the yeah. training camp skates, and we thought we were looking at Blake Wheeler because Kevin Stenland, uh, same body type. Um, I think he's wearing 28, so, yep. you know, similar number. Uh, but he's got the build and everything. Like you'd swear you're looking at at Blake Wheeler's twin out on the ice. Um, I'm not expecting Blake Wheeler type production from Kevin Stenland, although the Jets would love that. Uh, Stenland's a guy. Obviously, he's played some NHL games and he's having a nice run with the Moose right now. He was on their top line, uh, so they want to get a different look. And and yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Rick Bonus has not been afraid who speak his mind this year. It's one of the things I think we love about Rick Bonus. Uh, he says what's on his mind. You know, there's been times he's called out his top guys. Well, now he's calling out his bottom end guys, specifically that fourth line that, as he pointed out, was on the ice for two goals against the other day. And I think, you know, Bonus could maybe live with that, Huss, if they were putting the puck in the net. They they aren't. I mean, David Gustafson, who does a lot of great things for the Jets, Hasn't scored yet this year. Cam Gagne's kind of gone a little cold. And, of course, he had a couple healthy scratches. And Axel Janssen-Fialbi, as much as you love the, the energy and the speed he brings, there's just not a whole lot of offense there. So he's the guy that, that gets the bump tonight, uh, Fialbi. Uh, he'll be coming out of the lineup. Stenling goes in. And, yeah, really interesting that they're going to play him at center and move Gus uh, over to the wing. I mean, if you look at the numbers – us, the Jets have been getting killed in the faceoff dot. And, you know, I guess they want to see if Kevin Sandling can come in mm -hmm. and maybe have a good night on the draw, uh, something the Jets haven't had a whole lot of success at this season. They're in the bottom tier of the league when it comes to faceoffs. Uh, and it's not just that they don't win a whole lot of them. It's when they don't win them. I mean, we've seen it sometimes on special teams. They don't win the draw on the power play. Puck gets cleared, takes time to reset. Or vice versa, sometimes on the PK, they lose the draw, they get hemmed in, the puck goes in their net. So, so they're going to try and see if they can uh, get a bit of a different look. And and yeah, I mean, I would suggest everybody's now on notice uh, that, you know, don't get too comfortable because change is afoot tonight. And then this, this other very interesting thing that happened about an hour ago, uh, which was a waiver claim of a bottom six forward that the Jets clearly want to get a look at. And that means Carson Kuhlman 
he's coming in to take someone's job, Huss. Um, you know, barring any more injuries. And of course, as we mentioned, the Jets have had a bunch of injuries. I think the injury to Saku Manalainen has really kind of thrown that bottom six and specifically that fourth line into some disarray. The Jets loved what Manalainen brought, you know, size, strength. Um, there's some skill there for sure. Uh, they've lost that with him now. And I, I suppose they're going to have a bit of an open audition here uh, to see, you know, who's ready to step up and maybe fill that role. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Stenland can do tonight. And then Kuhlman, who I expect will will join the team as early as tomorrow. Um, you know, he's been playing regularly for the Kraken, so he's game ready. Uh, he could potentially step in as early as Thursday night. Uh, so, you know, a lot of options here, which uh, when you got a bunch of injuries, um, you know, you might want to cast a bit of a wider net, and the Jets are doing that. couple things going for Stenland in this situation. Um, first of all, his size. I mean, with the loss of Medellin, and I think that was something that they really did like. Uh, that he brought to the table in that bottom six, as well as the ability to kill penalties. And it does make some sense that he's the first guy up that gets the opportunity. And I'll say this, Mike, and Rick Bonus touched on this as well a little earlier, giving a lot of credit to Mark Morrison and what his staff is doing with the Manitoba Moose. We've seen Mikey Acemont sort of come from off the radar up to the Winnipeg Jets, make an impact and climb the ladder. And Jansen Harkins, who... You know, to a lot of people, I think, was sort of left for dead, to right. paraphrase. I mean, you know, going to the Manitoba Moose, cut, they keep in Toninato. What he did at the American League level completely translated into almost a new player with a new level of energy up with the big club. And I think that's bode well for other guys that have been doing quite well with the Manitoba Moose that maybe they can come in and not only will they get a call up, but actually deserve an opportunity. And we're seeing that for Stenland tonight. For sure. And, you know, the, the easy recall would have been to just, you know, call Dominic Toninato back up the other day. He's the guy that most recently went down. But I like what the Jets and the Moose are doing. I mean, they're keeping their players on the farm motivated because, as you mentioned, Huss, they see guys like Michael Isamont, um, Jansen Harkins step in and, and play prominent roles. Now they see a guy like Kevin Stenling get rewarded. He goes up. I got to think the idea that there's that carrot kind of being dangled on the farm keeps those guys motivated. They know that, you know, there are jobs, you know, you can earn your way up. Um, you know, it's not just going to be a, a guy's previous track record or his contract status. You can earn your way up to the big club and that's a good thing to have. And then on the jets don't want guys getting too comfortable you know, comfort often leads to complacency. And it's pretty clear under Rick Bonus, he's not going to allow that to happen. Doesn't matter how many wins they put together, you know, where they are in the standings. Um, there's no taking the foot off the gas, you know, no just getting comfortable with the status quo. And I think that message has been heard loud and clear. It's been heard by the, the high-end guys. And if you look at, you know, the numbers of, of the Jets' high-end players, like they are all performing at a really high level. Winnipeg's highest paid players have been their best players. You know, Morrissey, Shifley, Dubois, Connor, uh, Wheeler, Hellebuck, of course. Those are the guys that are leading the way, but you also need that depth. And, you know, you need you need some contribution. And if, if you're not going to get goals from your fourth line, at least 
you can't be giving up goals. And so that's where obviously things kind of went went south a little bit last game. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll we'll see what Kevin Stanley can bring. But no doubt he's going to be chomping at the bit for his first uh, chance with with his new team here in Winnipeg. You know, Mike, one of the I mean, we've been spending so much time talking about the changes in systems, the changes in attitude, the changes in messaging. Um, but it is a bit of a departure with the way things have worked around here the last few years when it's come to the call-ups and, you know, Toninato's down and is still there and Stenland's getting an opportunity. Right. Is that more Kevin Shevel day off with a, maybe a new way of thinking about the two clubs, or is this more of the bonus effect on the guys that he wants to have up here and give him a shot as opposed to guys he's already seen? No, I think it's the Rick bonus effect for sure. I, I think, you know, he's got the ear of the GM. He's got the full confidence and trust. And, you know, I think it probably speaks to, the views that Paul Maurice would have had compared to Rick Bonus, and uh, you know maybe in the past Paul Maurice a little more loyal to certain guys, um, you know a little more stubborn maybe in in some of the decisions that would get made. Whereas Rick Bonus, I think, and we've seen it, you know, from day one at training camp, like everybody had a clean slate. You were everybody was kind of starting from the same point, and it goes back to what Rick bonus has repeatedly preached which is how i don't care you know if you're an eight million dollar 47 goal scorer or a league minimum fourth line grinder i want all my lines to look the same um they're not going to produce the same but i want them to look the same so that goes to things like you know work ethic um and commitment to detail and and sticking to systems and so, and the message has been, and if you don't do that, it's going to cost you, you know, you'll either uh, lose your role that you had and maybe take on a lesser role, or you might come right out of the lineup. So guys are on their toes, but I think he hasn't done it in a mean spirited way. Um, he's kept the mood, you know, extremely positive and supportive. And so, you know, guys like Jansen Harkins, who were told in training camp, sorry, we don't have a spot for you right now. Here's what we'd like you to go do down on the farm. Well, Jansen Harkins did that and then some. And Rick Bonus and the organization, they were true to their word. They, they brought him back up. He's now on the third line with, with Adam Lowry. Looks like a real nice fit. He was flying the other night. I actually thought that was their best line the other night. You know, made a, a great play in, in, the, in to start the third period off to get a goal. So, you know, I, I think the proof is in the pudding. And guys respect that, right? They don't feel like, there's ulterior motives or, or secret agendas going on here. You know where you stand with Rick Bonus and the organization, and, and that's really all you can ask for. Uh, Mike, heading into this game, I'm interested in just in your perspective of Sunday. I mean, listen, last week was an amazing week for the Jets. It started off the previous Sunday with an ugly start. Rick Bonus called his team out. They responded throughout the week. The back-to-back -back wins in St. Louis and Chicago um, how do you put, uh, what was your takeaways from Sunday's loss to the Washington Capitals and where it went wrong? You know, I, I was fine with the Jets first period and I really liked the Jets third period. So I don't, I don't lump that game in Sunday's game with, um, with a couple of the previous, you know, absolute stinkers, the game in Vegas, of course, where it was the Connor Hellebuck show, the game in LA that was the Connor Hellebuck show, the Columbus game the Anaheim game, like the Jets, the Jets had a terrible 10 minute stretch the other day. 
But kind of with what you were saying, Haas, special teams was the difference. I mean, even when the Jets fell behind 2-0, they were still very much in that game. They get the four-minute power play after Dylan DeMello takes the stick to the face and is cut. To me, the game turned when they give up the shorty, the, the shorthanded breakaway, um, you know, a little too loose on, on the coverage there. Um, Marcus Johansson gets the breakaway. Josh Morrissey slashes him. And then Johansson buries the goal on the, on the penalty shot. And then the Jets don't score on the rest of that power play. Mm. To me, that was game, set, match. Uh, but I actually liked how the Jets responded in the third period. You know, they score the two goals. They were very much in it. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't, yeah, the, the second period was not a good one. Um, but I don't, I don't put that in the same realm as a couple of the other stinkers. I forgot to mention the Minnesota game as well. That that was a nightmare. Yikes. We just forgot erased about, that one. Completely erased that, that one, one yeah. from the memory bank. Um, so, I mean, there's been a few games this year which have been real ugly from kind of start to finish. That wasn't one of them. That said, the Jets, you know, they do have to play 60 minutes, not 20, not 40. Uh, and so tonight they have a chance against a, a team that kind of limps into town, albeit with a terrific record. Uh, but a team that's that's hurting, and this is where the Jets, you know, we'll see what they they how they come out, how they respond. But I suspect kind of what we've seen in the past with this team is you're going to see a good effort from the Jets tonight. Hellebuck, of course, back in the net tonight for the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, I imagine we'll see Big Save Dave in one of those two games on the weekend. Right, uh, and of course we've got the Nashville Predators coming up. You know, just back to Sunday for a minute, and part of that furious start to the third period where the Jets did get right back in it was the Pierre-Luc Dubois basement mini-stick special. Um, and I was going to mention that yesterday. I had a bunch of conversations about it off-air, but thought we'd do it. That was, I think, just the sign of a young man that continues to get more and more confident um, night in and night out. And I think confidence has been a big part of Dubois. You know the package that he brings, Mike. Um, but... Just as we sit right now in mid-December, thoughts on Dubois' season overall, where he's at right now, and, and what this season overall, the turnaround on the ice, the good vibes around the team. Um, I, I've sort of been talking about the last few days that I really do think that this gives the Jets a better chance of potentially getting him signed. Um, that being said, maybe we're starting at a very, very small number. I'm not sure about that. But um, what do you make of Dubois' season so far, where he fits in with this club and his potential future? I'll tell you what we're not starting at a small number with, and that's the one that's going to be on his paycheck. Oh, man. Because, you know, with, with the way he's playing, he's certainly proving his worth. Now, I thought it was really interesting, Huss, today. You probably saw this as well out of the, the Board of Governors meetings. Um, and that they're saying now the salary cap may only jump $1 million next year. There, there was some hope. I think that it might go up as much as $3 million potentially. Now it looks like it's going to be closer to $1 million. Um, You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has the one-year deal. It'll be an RFA again next summer. And then they have to decide, you know, what they're doing. Uh, but interesting that there may not be a whole lot more cap space for the Jets. Now, the Jets do have some cap room with the way they've kind of manage this season so far. Um, but for sure, Pierre-Luc Dubois looks like a guy who uh, is having a lot of fun uh, and who knows that he is an, a difference maker. He's an impact player. He's playing like it. Um, you know, he's still doing the things that that you love about him. He's getting under opponent's skin. He's drawing penalties. Seems like every game, 
The Jets go to the power play because hmm. somebody does something to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Of course, they also quite often go to the penalty kill because Pierre-Luc <laughs> Dubois. But you can live with that, Huss, because, you know, because he draws as many as he takes, but he also then makes an impact you know, on the ice and, and on the power plays. So. You know what's funny about that, especially right now with Mikey Acemont on the wing? You've got the Lady Bing Trophy winner yeah. in Kyle Connor. With a couple of thugs. Two of the biggest shit disturbers in the league. And <laughs> I guess transitioning over to Essimont, he drew the double minor in against Chicago, was all over the place against Sunday night. I mean, uh, for Rick Bonus, who a couple times had challenged his team's emotion level and passion on the bench, which is something that I think was very much lacking in previous seasons. The addition of Essimont kind of out of the blue, out of nowhere, if you will, he's added an element that the Winnipeg Jets really didn't have, even including Pierre-Luc Dubois. And man, it's fun watching those guys together. And, you know, he always has just a deadpan look on his face when he draws a penalty and just goes back about his business afterwards. Um, but it's a it's a really unique line and a line. Obviously, the catalyst is Connor and Dubois together, uh, but that have been doing a lot of damage for the Winnipeg Jets while Wheeler, Shifley, and Perfetti continue to grow together as a unit. It's basically you got Kyle Connor, the angel, the angelic one, <laughs> and then he's got the devil on each shoulder. Right? Is is how that line is. But for sure, I said it last week. I think it was. Uh, it was Jack, Jack Johnson of Chicago, right? Didn't he take the? Didn't he also take a double minor against Asimont last week? Yep. I mean, he's got, and I say this with the utmost of respect. Michael Asimont has a very punchable face <laughs> to opponents, and you could say the same thing about Pierre Luc Dubois. In fact, Dubois, of course, there was I forget which game it was this year where he got slugged in the face. Uh, and it led to that late goal. That, I think that was in Dallas, wasn't it? Where he no, got that punched. was the Seattle game. That was the well, that Seattle, was the Seattle game, game that shot to the back of the head, um, which ended up getting a twenty five hundred dollar fine. But most importantly, gave the Jets the power play, and they turned a zero into a two points. That's right. So, I mean, between Asimont and Dubois, like those guys have been punched a lot this year because <laughs> of the way they play. And, you know, they just, uh, they, they love it. And I'm sure, you know, like I say, for the Jets, uh, you got to love what those guys bring. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Asimont. I think we're almost now starting to take him for granted a little bit. But Hus, yeah. there's a guy, there's the ultimate story of a guy that tells everyone on the Moose and on the Jets, you'll you'll be rewarded if you play the right way. This is a guy that was not even on the radar when training camp began. And he was sent down to the Moose long before guys like Harkins and Toninato. Michael Acemont, we don't even talk about him now as potentially coming out of this lineup. He's jumped over so many guys. Look at guys that have been healthy scratches. Toninato, Harkins, Fialbi, Gagne. He's playing with Kyle Connor. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, and playing well. So to me, this is a guy, if he keeps playing like this, Hus. He won't play another AHL game this season or beyond. And in fact, even if and when the Jets get fully healthy, there'll still be a spot in the lineup for a guy like that because of what he's doing, what he's bringing. Rick Bonus clearly has kind of fallen in love with the player. And and I think fans have as well and teammates have, right? He's, he's the kind of guy you need. So yeah, it's been a great story. One of the best stories so far of this young season for the Jets. And uh, 
you know, as I wrote in a piece late last week when he did get bumped to the top line, the the legend of Michael Asimov just continues to grow around here. Uh, Mike McIntyre with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. And, I mean, of course, the focus is on the short term, big game tonight, big divisional game on Thursday before this really busy part of the schedule, the busiest of the year, continues through the weekend. But let's, for a minute, Mike, look into 2023. And I'm not sure when this is. Probably into February, maybe. But if things are as they are right now, and all of a sudden, Nikolai Ehlers walks back into that dressing room, how do you think Rick Bonus gets him back in? Um, you know, originally they were talking about Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers together. Well, Connor's right. gone back with Dubois, as we saw last year, yeah. with great results. You know, might Ehlers jump on that line with Connor and and Pierre Luc Dubois, or do we see Blake Wheeler move down and Ehlers get back up there with Mark Shifley and potentially Cole Perfetti? Well, and that's where I think, you know, the the real possibility of creating a, sort of a third scoring line exists, Haas, something the Jets really kind of haven't had. And, you know, you and then your fourth line becomes your your checking line, like your shutdown kind of line. And then you can really kind of balance your minutes out. I mean, we've seen that with Rick Bonus, a much more balanced approach. You know, he even plays his fourth line a lot more than Paul Maurice did. But I think if you were to get everybody healthy, the possibilities are endless as to what you could do with that lineup um, and really spread the wealth around and make it almost make the Jets matchup proof, right? Where if you're the opponent and if you're on the road, you pick your poison. Okay, you want to send your best, your shutdown guys out against this line? Well, now you got to deal with these other two lines. Good luck with that. Um, so yeah, you know, through kind of... Um, adversity has come some opportunity and and I think we've seen some guys you know take on bigger roles bigger minutes and do well in them so that that possibility exists and Mason Appleton of course a guy that was kind of a third line fixture you know he may be back around the same time as Nikolai Ehlers as well um and then of course Manalainen like these are three players right now that would be in your lineup in some fashion um it gives you way more flexibility than you have. So yeah, it's a great problem to have if and when the Jets have to decide, geez, how do we how do we get Nikolai Ehlers back in here and not kind of upset the rest of the lineup? You know, it's going to be like a trade deadline kind of a, a blockbuster addition without having to spend an extra penny. Uh, and the fact the Jets do have you know ample cap room and their banking cap room, it's really interesting, Huss. You may have noticed the Jets sent Kevin Stenland back down yesterday on paper. I can tell you he did not fly to Calgary <laughs> just for a couple hours only to get recalled today. But they did that, and there's a reason they're doing that. They are maximizing their cap space. And they already have a bunch of cap space. The fact they're really trying to maximize it is really interesting. When you look at some names that potentially might be available at the trade deadline, and I look to a couple guys the Jets just saw up close last week in Chicago, for example, Johnny Taze, Patrick Kane. Um, you know, those guys have big, big, big ticket contracts, uh, but they're pending free agents and they're guys that if the Blackhawks, you know, they might be willing to move, would the Jets be in on a Jonathan Taze? or a Patrick Kane. They probably should be, um, but that's there's a situation where you'd have to really make sure 
you've got all your ducks in a row so that you could <laughs> squeeze their salary, one of their salaries in. Well, and, and listen, I mean, both of those guys, I think, have full no trade, so they can sort of decide sure. where they want to go. I'm not sure uh, that Patrick Kane would be thinking, let's go to the peg. Taves is very interesting, though. Yes. I mean, he's from here. You know, Jet fans for a long time have dreamed, oh, how cool would that be? And, I mean, there is a sentimental part of it. That being said, considering where he was a couple years ago, he's come back, and I think it helped teams. And, man, when you're talking about the playoffs, I mean, there's not very many guys with better playoff resumes than Jonathan Taves. I'm not sure what it would take to get him here, Mike, and I'm not sure whether the numbers work. And to be honest, you know, as long as Adam Lowry is your third-line center and you've got the guys up front, not even sure where he fits in, that being said, I'm here for the conversation. It is pretty fun to think about. Jonathan Taze is still one of the best face-off men in the league. I, I Rick Bonus would kill for that right now. He would. I mean, he's a guy you'd throw out in every – he's he's on your power play, on your PK, taking the draws. He's out there in late-game situations. He can be a shutdown guy. He can still be an offensive guy. So so versatile for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the sentimental – uh, story would be terrific, but he, he's a player who obviously has the championship pedigree and, you know, it would be a rental basically is all it would be. Um, but it would be one heck of a rental. And, you know, I don't know what Jonathan Taze is thinking. All I know is this Huss watching that game against the Blackhawks last week. Oh all I God. could think of is Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. They must not be having very much fun coming to the rink these days. I get that they've got the rings and some people kind of, you know, bit back at me when I tweeted that and said, yeah, but they got the ring. Well, sure. But you know what? Those are proud Eight guys. Years ago. Exactly. And I don't see a guy like Jonathan Taze as someone who just puts his feet up and, and rests on his past sort of laurels and accomplishments. Um, that's just not in his DNA. And I got to think what he's seeing in Chicago right now. I'm sure he loves the idea of kind of retiring with the team that brought him into the league and all that. But I mean, if you got a chance to maybe go try and win another championship and if there's a backstory to it, it's not just, you know, a team like Winnipeg, that that's your backyard, right? Like, I, I got to think that that would at least be something that he might consider, especially we know he he thinks the world of the Blackhawks organization. <laughs> if by doing that, he could actually help them kind of in the big picture as they, you know, try and accelerate their rebuild. I got to think that's something he would at least consider. So we're still a couple of months away from uh, that kind of conversation. But I suspect us, as we do get closer to the trade deadline, uh, we may be hearing a little more about that kind of chatter down the road. No doubt about it. Hey, shout out to Phyllis in chat who's pointing out we got a great crew of people here and only 122 likes. Folks, if you can, please hit that thumbs up button. And if you're not subscribed already, hit that red subscribe button so you are eligible for the marbles. We'll open up marble registration for the Tournament of Champions in about 20, 25 minutes right now. Mike, before we go, we got the Preds coming into town on Thursday night. I was kicking this around with some of the fellas yesterday on the show. You've got Winnipeg and Dallas at the top of the division. You've got the Colorado Avalanche who are decimated right now. But I think we all agree they'll be one of those top three teams, yes. if not the top team by the end of the season, depending on what happens with their crew. But of the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, and the St. Louis Blues, 
Who should be the most confident going forward? And where would you be uh, if there was a panic button being pressed? Which city would it be in right now? I think St. Louis, me, um, just because I think St. Louis, St. Louis thought that they still had a contender. And I think their that core has aged maybe quicker than they thought. They are so streaky, of course. Um, you know, but I, I just think St. Louis, like they are the closest to kind of blowing it all up. I still, I, I'm still pretty high on Minnesota and maybe it's recency bias because I saw them throttle the Jets up close, you know, um, a, a couple of weeks ago. I just think when you got a Kaprizov, you know, who's one of the most dynamic players in the league and you got a Marc-Andre Fleury, his cheap shot on Zach Hyman aside. I don't know if you saw that last night, us. Where he butt ended Zach Hyman in the face, a uh, sneaky, dirty play in the final minute that went undetected by the officials. Marc Andre Fleury, he's yeah. to thrive on those kind of sneaky, dirty plays. He loves playing the role of the good guy. Uh, but I, I just think Minnesota is a team that they're probably going to very much stick around the playoff conversation. And in fact, they'll be in the hunt for a top three spot kind of all season long. Nashville, I mean, I go back and forth a bit on the Preds. I, I just don't know. I mean, they, they obviously have Roman Yossi, and then they've got an aging core as well. You know, Duchesne, Johansson, those guys who had great years last year have all kind of taken steps back. But they do have UC Saros, one of the best goalies in the league. He can win you some games by himself. I, I think if I had to rank them in order, Huss, it would be Minnesota, to me, is the best of those three. Nashville's kind of in the middle. And then I would put St. Louis at the bottom of that list and a team that they seem to be on the cusp of, of potentially blowing it up. They may be a team that could be a seller at the trade deadline as well. So that being said, uh, this will be the first chance the Jets get to face Nashville. And, you know, the Jets have been excellent in their division. What are they, 10-2, and two, I think, so far, which is tremendous. They'll play 26 total divisional games, Huss. So Thursday will be the 13th, the, the halfway point. They're on pace to win like 20. <laughs> to 22 games in their own division. You win that many games in your division, you're making the playoffs just because of of what – it doesn't even matter what you're you You're probably winning of, the division just on right. the basis of your head-to-head record inside the Central. Exactly. So, you know, it'll be a big divisional game. The Jets don't have a whole lot of them in this, this next stretch. Um, we know Nashville, they always come in. You know, they're one of the most undisciplined teams in the league. They, they love to kind of get in your face, but they also take a lot of penalties. So – yeah, it sets up for uh, a good week at the barn with uh, with Vegas and Nashville. Kind of, you know, shades a little bit, Huss. Uh, I'm getting 2018 vibes just from this week, right? You got Nashville Thursday, who the Jets beat in the second round. You got Vegas, who beat the Jets in the third round. And then we just saw Washington, who the Jets would have gone on to face had they beat Vegas. This is um, like 2018 all over again, minus the, uh, the whiteout street parties downtown. Well, hopefully we might have a whiteout, but I think it's going to be Mother Nature bringing it to the peg, right? Just in time for Vegas to be here. Looking forward to this game tonight, Mike. And uh, is Piper kicking around there? I Piper don't th- is, she is sound asleep on the other couch. I got Bodie actually. Oh, nicely. Bodie's just right here beside me. I think you can see him. He's just having a little snooze. <laughs> Um, life is good. Life is good life there is for the good dogs. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, enjoy this game tonight, Mike. Thanks a lot for the convo. Always love having you on. 
You bet, Huss. Take care. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre. Check out all of his work covering the Winnipeg Jets and more at winnipegfreepress.com. All right, the Bomber schedule is out. We're going to kick around that and more with Darren Bombing coming up in a minute. Uh, but obviously, when we're talking Bombers and already looking ahead to next year, I'm already looking forward to the Princess Auto tailgate zone. What an amazing, amazing atmosphere that was before all Blue Bomber games this season. Let's do it again for unfinished business coming up in 2023. But before that, we got to get through the holidays. And you all know that Princess Auto is the number one store for the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around, things you won't find anywhere else. And, of course, everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, you will find at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or get those wheels turning on that next project 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. A huge WST happy holidays and thanks to our friends at Culligan Water, family owned and celebrating over 65 years in business here in the province. They've got everything that you could possibly need when it comes to water products and solutions. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Pop down and see them. The experts at Culligan Water, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180. You can find out more on all their products and services online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, folks, you're entertaining, having some Christmas parties, maybe getting some gifts. You know you'll probably be popping by the Manitoba Liquor Marts when you are there. Make sure to grab Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and our great sponsor, Canadian Club, the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And speaking of the Bombers, while you're at the LC, the 20 largest Manitoba liquor marts right now have a Jim Beam display where you pick up a bottle of Jim Beam and get a free Winnipeg Blue Bombers collector's glass featuring either Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, or... Winnipeg hometown hero, Nick Dembski. Right now, CC, Jim Beam, and all the great Beam Suntory products available for you in the holidays at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And as I mentioned off the top, hit up Boston Pizza last night with some of the fellas for the Monday Nighter and got a chance to see some very excited winners at BP in for the uh, to make the finals next week for that trip to Vegas. Uh, congratulations to... All of the winners, and good luck to them next week. Of course, Boston Pizza is the place to go for NFL football with great specials for all the games. And, of course, Winnipeg Jets hockey as well with pick-a-player promos in many of the Boston pizzas. Whether it's hockey, whether it's NFL football, it's always a good time to get together with the gang at your local Boston Pizza and make sure to try that jalapeno popper dip if you haven't already. It is absolutely unreal. Um... All right, we got DB coming up right now. Let's uh, let's dive into it. Uh, I don't know DB's on Jets. Uh, been a lot on Jets duty as well. Let's uh, welcome him in. Darren Bombing, Bonfire Sports, looking good. I like the toque. Ready for a little bit of snow coming into the into the peg. Yeah, I've been hanging out in hockey rinks a lot, so I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm missing those warm summer uh, afternoons and, and evenings uh in winnipeg and of course with the the cfl schedule coming out today hustler love that it comes out nice and early prior to christmas lets people buy their tickets as gifts and that sort of thing but um yeah now we can start thinking about those warm summer nights at ig field 
Hey, just before we do that, um, um, you were down there at the rink this morning doing your duties for NHL.com. I mean, uh, thoughts on this game tonight, man, a decimated Vegas Golden Knights lineup. And I'd imagine a hungry Winnipeg team looking to bounce back from a loss as they've done pretty much all season long against a team that's really stuck it to them a couple times down in Sin City. Yeah, they're rivals. No question, right? We know, uh, like I was just talking the other day about how many people in Saskatchewan love the Vegas Golden Knights. And of course, you got the Jets here in Manitoba, so it kind of continues that football rivalry into the hockey rivalry rivalry as well. But yeah, decimated, absolutely. Jack Eichel, day-to-day, a handful of other guys week-to-week, month-to-month. Uh, it's it's pretty much that whole one side, the right side of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights forward core and, and defense core that, that's kind of banged up right now, but uh, they are playing really well. They have the best road record in the National Hockey League. I think they're 12-2-1 and one on the road. They beat the Boston Bruins in Boston back on December 5th. Boston comes into Vegas a couple nights ago, hands them one back uh, and comes back to w- uh, win 3-1. Vegas is a good hockey club, and I'm really curious to see how Winnipeg, they're banged up too, but how they respond on home ice where they've been really, really good this year. I don't need to remind anybody of that, but following a really tough loss against the Washington Capitals, two losses in a row on home ice. I don't know if, uh, you know, if that happens, it could happen tonight, but I think Winnipeg's going to come out with a real strong effort uh, to avoid that and, and try to beat a team that they're going to be vying with come the postseason. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and as we kicked around with Mike McIntyre and Remo off the top of the show, I mean, a waiver claim today, Kevin Stenlin getting into the lineup, and Bones being pretty clear that he wasn't particularly fond of that fourth line, which has gotten a lot of praise earlier this season, and thus the changes yeah. tonight. It should be a great game, and we'll look forward to it. And, of course, make sure to check out NHL.com for everything Darren's got cooking in and around the Winnipeg Jets. But let's go to Bombers. The season, the schedule is out. Before we go game by game through what the Bombers have, the first thing, I was just getting ready to do the lock shop with Nielsen today, and he said, hey, have you looked at the schedule? I said, no, no, I haven't seen it yet. Sunday night football, pretty much throughout the early spring and summer right now, DB. Um, You're pretty tied in with the people in and around the league. Was was this something that you expected to come and uh, – why do you think we all of a sudden have this slate of Sunday night football before the NFL gets going? I hadn't, but I love the idea. You know, the, the CFL is never afraid to take some risks and try some new things. I love the Sunday night games. The BC Lions are going to do a whole bunch of weekend games with 4 p.m. local time kickoffs. So they're trying to attract a different fan base or a different fan or a different entertainment option uh, with kind of like a late matinee at BC Place. But these night games in the summer on Sundays, I love because what do summer weekends entail? They entail a very busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday And then on Sunday night, you kind of kick back. Well, instead of throwing on Netflix, there could be a football game that you'd want to take in. So I I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, You know, uh, the summertime is a real money-making time for uh, a lot of markets in the Canadian Football League as far as ticket sales go. That's why Winnipeg has always had kind of one buy in the first half of the season, two buys in the second half of the season since 2018 when they moved to that three-buy schedule. But it's these markets that maybe aren't, you know, so different from summer 
to fall where they can put a game on a Sunday night um, and get that TV audience out of market that that maybe they wouldn't before. You got to also remember ESPN carrying a lot of Canadian football down south. Sunday night football. It's not Friday night with the high school. It's not Saturday with the college and it's prior to NFL. So Sunday night, I think, is a great fit for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, The funny thing about it is that the Bombers aren't really involved in any of these Sunday games. Um, yeah. and, and to be honest, I think with how successful Winnipeg has been at the turnstiles, putting butts in seats, exactly. even during, I mean, I remember during like the 90s, everyone was, oh, what's up with attendance? Well, people go to the lake. They don't want it. Listen, Bomber fans are going to be there for these games. The Friday night games, you go to it, you head out early Saturday morning or even go after the game if you got a driver. Thursday night games as well have been popular, but I love the fact that we're going to have CFL football on Sunday nights throughout the summer. And I think, and listen, I believe they had a game or two last year. And I think obviously part of this is the ratings that they got for it, both North of the border and South of the border. So a real positive development as far as the bomber schedules go. Uh, it almost seems like every year we're open up against the Hamilton tiger cats DB and week one, Friday, June 9th. I love the way this season just keeps getting a little earlier and earlier every year. Huge proponent of that. Um, but we don't have to wait too long. The 9th of June, it's the Ticats at the Bombers to kick things off on what will certainly be the unfinished business tour coming off the Bombers' uh, narrow <laughs> loss in the Great Cup. Yeah, it's unfortunate they only play the Toronto Argonauts one time. At least it is in Winnipeg, but uh, it seems to kind of be the way uh, the schedule has gone. Three games against your division opponents, uh, and then two games or one game against the East, and, and uh, sometimes it is one game uh, against a rival. Ottawa will play Winnipeg once. Toronto will be here in September. What is that? The uh, 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 It's in September. I do know that. But either way, you know, yeah, September 29th, they're, they're here at IG Field for a Grey Cup rematch. But Winnipeg, like you mentioned, very good at the gate, and there's always that forever debate in Manitoba. Do you play Thursday nights so people can still go to the lake on Friday afternoon, or do you play Friday nights so people aren't tired at work Friday morning after a Thursday night game? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, the reality is you get those games in on home field here in Winnipeg when it is a hot ticket on hot summer nights. Uh, really, there's nothing like it. You know, the Madhouse on Matheson is the moniker I've kind of given IG Field as of late because when you get 30,000 people there, it's unlike any sporting event Winnipeg sees on a consistent basis. It's a fantastic thing. So uh, kudos to Wade Miller and uh, no doubt the Winnipeg Blue Bombers <clears throat> happy with their schedule. Buys always come into that um th that factor as well hustler right like how do you space them out well football is a long grueling season if you can get one close to the playoffs like the winnipeg blue bombers <laughs> do they'll get a buy their final buy and then have two games before uh, a potential playoff begin um i think is a nice thing they got one in week 16 so two buys in that final six weeks of the season one buy in that first half so make your money at the gate as often as you can when the weather is agreeing with you uh give your team a break after you know a couple months of the season uh, and then start rolling through that second half of the schedule. But yeah, I think this is a great one. Only only one short week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers too, where they have kind of just five days between games. You know, the uh, hey, it's been a pretty good um, 
pretty good plan for the last few years with where the buys have been. And uh, obviously, we know what the Bombers have done business-wise as well. So let's just take a quick run through this. Bombers home opener, Friday, June 9th against Hamilton. Bombers get to go and ruin the Riders home opener uh, the following Friday, June 16th in Saskatchewan. That'll be the extra game between those two clubs. BC Lions in Winnipeg, week three, Thursday night, June game to kick off the week on June 22nd. Bombers then... How does Canada Day in Montreal sound, folks? You're thinking about making a little summer trip. Bombers at Alouettes on Canada Day. 6 p.m. Winnipeg starts, so I guess that's 7 p.m. in Montreal. Team comes back Friday, July 7th, another Friday home game against the Calgary Stampeders. The following week to Ottawa, Saturday afternoon game in the mid-July against the Ottawa Red Blacks and old pal Bobby Dice as the head coach there. Another Thursday game in the summer, Edmonton at Winnipeg. Bombers will get going uh, with that to kick off week number seven. And then you have the first bye week, week eight, end of July. That's the Bombers' first bye week. BC is back for another Thursday game. So I guess that's up to three Thursday games right now at home in the summer. And I believe that's actually a great way. That is going right into the August long weekend. Um, So it'll be a hell of a way. It'll be a lot of people having some fun at that game and then having the next few days off. Uh, Winnipeg at Edmonton in Week 10 on Thursday, August 10th. Friday, August 18th at Calgary. Bombers come back. Another Thursday home game, Thursday, August 24th. Obviously, they had success with those Thursday games in the summer, and they got positive feedback from their season ticket holders. Um, So Bombers at home in Week 12 to Montreal. At Saskatchewan, Labor Day Classic, Week 13, Banjo Bowl. An important note here, Huss. Sorry, sorry, if I can interject. Important note here as well, because a Thursday game prior to that Sunday Labor Day Classic gives Winnipeg almost a pseudo bye week in there to prepare themselves for that ultra physical home and home Labor Day Banjo Bowl series. Great point. Um, Banjo Bowl back in Winnipeg Saturday afternoon, a 3 p.m. start on September the 9th. Bombers then go to Hamilton the following Saturday. Uh, a bye week at week 16. You mentioned this end of the year, a couple buys for the Bombers, which has been good. And then it's the Argos coming to town Friday night, September 29th. Be very interesting to see if Andrew Harris is still playing. Certainly that'll be a big game with a little bit of revenge on the fans' minds. And I'm sure that'll be the same thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. At BC in week 18 on a Friday night, Week 19, another bye for the Bombers. And then the final two games of the regular season, the final home game, Saturday night, October 21st, against the Edmonton Elks. And then a trip to Calgary on Friday night in week 21. And of course, being on the Friday, you got that extra day, presumably planning for the schedule. But uh, a lot of Thursday and a lot of Friday games for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and very similar buys. I would imagine that with the amount of input that Wade Miller has into this schedule, that uh, Bombers pretty happy, both from a football perspective and a potential gate perspective. Yeah, don't look past it for a second that the Blue Bombers and really a lot of organizations look at this schedule with a go through it with a very fine tooth comb because it is so important to their bottom line. That's the business and off-field operations. It's also very important to their on-field operations. So getting a good balance, seeing how the opponents shake out, timing between games, all of that. Now that the schedule is out, 
that's the job of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Mike O'Shea with that fresh contract, all that done and in the books and in the review mirror, the work now is scheduling out his entire year. O'Shea kind of uh, revealed that this past season, Hustler, and I found it quite fascinating. When the guys arrive for training camp in May, they're given the schedule, and I mean day-to-day-to-day-to-day schedule for the next six, seven months right there they know if they have a tuesday afternoon off they know if they have a weekend off they know if they have to work uh you know for the next two days following a game or, or some strange things like that so uh that that's the next uh phase for winnipeg is ensuring that um you know that they've got everything scheduled out beyond the football games but i, I like it too friday thursday friday thursday thursday is the way those home games go uh through the summer so if you can't make friday games because you go to the lake or, or you prefer the thursdays or, or what have you um you know th- there's going to be a game for you on the schedule hey uh just quickly on the way out i mean i can't miss an opportunity to maybe take a little dig at the riders uh how many people said no to the offensive coordinator job and i guess they hired their running backs coach yesterday which i'm sure is not really driving up a lot of op- optimism unfairly to the individual that got the gig. Um, but man, it's been a rough off season for Saskatchewan, huh? Yeah, it has. I mean, all of their, their GM, their head coach, all going into the final year of their contract. So it's tough to acquire a, a blue chip offensive coordinator from another team because he's coming into a situation where everything might be blown up following the 2023 season. Really briefly, just to give people a picture of of what happened in Saskatchewan in 2022. The offensive line incredibly beat up, and they didn't get very good play from Cody Fajardo, and they've decided to move on from him. The reality is Jason Moss tried to shoehorn Cody Fajardo into an offense that maybe didn't utilize, well, not maybe, definitely didn't utilize his specific skill set. So it just didn't work. They're going to start from scratch. Is it Mason Fine? Are they going to be able to acquire Bo Levi Mitchell's rights via trade prior to free agency? Or will they try to sign him on Valentine's Day if he does indeed hit the market? Or maybe it's another quarterback that might have an opportunity to be the starter for the Rough Riders. But all eyes are going to be on uh, Riderville to see if they can right that ship or if the Dave Dickens, or pardon me, Craig Dickinson, Jeremy O'Day era uh, enters, you know, a curtain call in 23. Bombers by 30 in week two. Mark it down right now. (laughs) DB, have a good one. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Great to have you back on and happy holidays. You too, Huss. All the best to you and Remo. All right, there is our uh, pal Darren Bombing. All right, we've got lots to to take care of right now. Got to talk a little bit more about these NHL Board of Governors meetings. Uh, but Remo, I believe it's just about time. Why don't we get going with the uh, with opening up the marbles registration, and uh, and then we can get on to uh, some of the uh, other topics we need to hit off before we drop the marbles again, folks. Consolidated Supply has teamed up with Winnipeg Sports Talk. We just talked about the bomber schedule. One of you, one of our marbles winners is going to be going to all those games. Bomber season tickets on the line in the championship race coming up on the 30th of December. In just a few minutes, we'll have our fourth qualifying race. Marbles every day until Christmas, basically, is all you need to know. If you pop in occasionally, make sure you're here around this time, about 2.45 daily. We'll open up registration, and then we will drop the marbles. Congratulations to uh, Phyllis and the gang who... uh, qualified yesterday so that's coming up in a few minutes but the marble race is on if you're new folks all you need to do is put in exclamation mark marbles and sit back and wait for it hey phil cement 
Thank you for the support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have Phil Simin as a supporter. Um, and shout out to everyone that's got the green font and the microphone for that little extra support of WST. We greatly appreciate it. Speaking of support of WST that we greatly appreciate, shout out to Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Uh, always on board with us from day one. And whether it's scorching hot outside or chilly in the summer, the Nick and Nikki DQ group are ready for you with ice cream treats, world famous blizzards, amazing burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and more. And four locations to help you out DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, I've been saying all along, there's all sorts of Christmas desserts that people like. <laughs> they don't like any of them as much as a DQ ice cream cake. So why don't you get a festive holiday Christmas cake ready for the uh, for the upcoming gatherings that you'll be involved in? And you can hit them up if you'd like on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Get a custom Christmas cake or Hanukkah cake done for the holidays and uh, impress your guests even more. You can get that done for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And a big game tonight, big weekend coming up. One of the everyone's favorite times of the season. And that means a lot of parties, a lot of get-togethers. And, hey, if you're serving beer, why not make it Winnipeg's favorite local beer, the juggernaut that is Little Brown Jug. Had a couple 1919s watching the game on Sunday. Man, that's a good one. But there's so many more than just the iconic 1919 brand. And that's why maybe your best bet is pop down, try them, and pick up an order at the Brewery and Tap House down on William Avenue. Great place to meet friends around the holidays for drinks and check out their great merchandise as well. And if you can't make it downtown, you can order for citywide delivery beer and merch online at littlebrownjug.ca. And of course, if you're in one of the local beer stores, before you pick anything up, make sure to check out the selection of Little Brown Jug available. Littlebrownjug.ca for that citywide delivery and happy holidays to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Listen, just before we bring Michael Remus in, pretty fired up about this. I mentioned this at the top of the show, uh, but AEW is coming to Winnipeg. We have talked about this for a couple of years on the program. Um, you know, for those of you that are not into the wrestling scene right now, AEW is a couple of years old and was really started on the backs of Winnipeg stars Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. And uh, Don Callis, another Winnipeg native, one of the great characters in. We're hoping to have some of those guys coming up. But what you need to know is that Friday is the on-sale date for AEW. I think this is going to be the hottest ticket, hottest wrestling ticket in town in years with all the Winnipeg guys coming back. And uh, Remo, I think we've got it. This is a little promo, if you will, from Winnipeg's own Chris Jericho for the on-sale date on Friday for the AEW Winnipeg event, Tuesday, March 14th. Here's Jericho. Hey, it's Chris Jericho here, and I've got some huge news. I'm so excited to announce that AEW will be making our Winnipeg debut on Tuesday, a special Tuesday Night Dynamite, March 14th. I can't believe it, Canada Life Center. This is going to be the biggest wrestling show of the decade. I'm going to be there. Kenny Omega is going to be there. Don Callis is going to be there. There'd be no AEW without Winnipeg. So get your tickets now. They make perfect holiday gifts. I remember getting tickets for AWA and WWF when I was a kid. Now you can do the same for AEW. Tuesday, March 14th. 
Canada Life Center Winnipeg debut for AEW. We're so excited. We want Jets fans there. We want Moose fans there. We want Bob Holiday fans there if there are any. DJ's Pizzas fan. The entire city is going to come out in droves to see the returning hero. Me, Chris Jericho, and everybody, all the biggest stars in AEW. March 14th, Canada Life Center. We will see you there. Don't you dare miss it. All right, there is uh, the man himself, Chris Jericho, returning hero, along with Kenny Omega. So uh, Friday, on-sale date, and stay tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk as well for your chance to win some tickets. Remo and I will certainly be there. I cannot wait for it, and um, this is going to be real fun, Remo. I think these will be a couple of the biggest contests we've ever had with the excitement about the Winnipeg boys coming home. Pretty awesome. Someone said to me, like, who's Winnipeg's biggest export, and I guess in terms of a celebrity uh, who's impacted, you know, everyone. Uh, my first answer was Chris Jericho. I mean, he's done TV, he's uh, done acting, what, great podcast, done wrestling. He was just on The Masked Singer. Yeah, there you go. He's man, he's been around for a long time, uh, entertaining. So doing sports entertaining. So uh, that's that's really exciting. You know, we talked about a possible. You know, all Winnipeg AEW here, and it's happening in March. I agree. It'll be a big show. So uh, anyways, make sure you get those tickets. And if you have a wrestling fan in the family, uh, be a great idea for the holidays because um, it is going to be fun. And I think this will be really the biggest wrestling event in this city in years. Um, all right. Exclamation mark marbles. You got a couple more minutes and people are just popping in to uh, get in for today's qualification race. Uh, but Rima, where do you want to start? I know you had a list of grievances for the for the commissioner Gary Bettman coming out of the uh, out of the board of governors meetings. I mean, my, my thing starts and ends every year with three point games. Although I will say, with the Jets' record in overtime, maybe I'm liking the loser point and where the things are at right now. But they've just been getting the second point when they've been getting to OT right now. Um, but you had uh, you, there was a number of things that were touched upon in addition to thirty years of Gary Bettman. Yes. Shout out to um, Chris Johnson, Frank Cervelli, Greg Wyshynski tweeting out stuff from these Board of Governor meetings. Gary Bettman speaking today. Uh, Pierre Lebrun as well. He says um, the cap, salary cap, I think Mike McIntyre said this, will only go up $1 million, but maybe it'll go up more if revenues are higher than projections. Uh, going up only a million, pretty uh, not what we thought. We thought maybe it would go up a bit more. So teams very strange. Is that it seems good like everyone- for Winnipeg? What? I, I do wonder if that's not good for Winnipeg. That it's going, why? That it's not going up. They're up like against a more, the cap. They, they could use cap room. They're a cap team. Well, I they mean, they're million. not at the cap right now. They're three, um, what, three million below? There is some space. I just wonder that at what point does the economics of the league, like say they you know make it seven or eight million dollars, I'm not sure the numbers change very much in Winnipeg. I mean, we've talked about how they've been essentially tapped out. They're looking to get back to where they were, filling the building consistently at the prices that they're charging right now. I mean, to me, you know, a big, big boost in the cap really helps some of the richer teams, the teams that, you know, like the Leafs that have spent so much money on a few key players and are really screwed when it comes to it. To be honest, the way the Jets are with their cap situation right now and the way they've managed it, um, really post getting the Brian Little contract onto the Coyotes books is one of the more enviable in the league right now. And now for one more year, at least until some of those big extensions kick in, I'm not sure that's such a bad thing for the Winnipeg Jets. 
don't know. They need room. They got to sign these guys. Dubois, Shifley's coming up. They got some big decisions. More available. I think it would be good for them. I think it would be good for everyone. If it went up. So if you want it to go up, go, go buy your tickets. Go buy your jerseys, right? Isn't that how we make it go up? Increasing hockey-related revenue? Is that it? Well, or? I mean, listen, this is a gate-driven league. And I mean, everyone's wondering, like, oh, why do guys get paid less in the National Hockey League than the NFL and the NBA? Look at the TV deals. I mean, pretty simply. I mean, they, they, they need to. They, you can only squeeze fans. And this is another conversation entirely. Uh, we've seen the blowback in so many markets about the price of tickets. Um, you can't get any more blood out of that stone. So they need to be creative and find new ways of creating revenue that's not directly on the backs of the ticket buying public. And that's a huge challenge for the National Hockey League. Uh, but yes, a retro reverse jersey would look nice under the tree, I think, for many folks. And those are those have rocketed up my power pole since the Jets have gone undefeated in them. We're talking <laughs> about increasing hockey-related revenue. One way they have done it, and I'm sure they're making a ton of money from this, is the digital board ads. You see them every game. They're not those. real. They put them in, you know, on the broadcast. They sometimes glitch that you lose the puck in them. Players disappear into them. They're flashing and saying, hey, look at me while you're trying to watch a power play. Um, they're awful. They're terrible. And um, Gary Bettman was asked about them and said the backlash on the ads is a non-issue because the people that they're talking to, um, say, this Love is what them. Greg was he tweeted. He says the backlash is a non-issue because their polling indicates fans find games more watchable with digital ads replacing visible physical ones. That's the biggest load of BS that I have ever heard in my life. Who are they pulling? Pulling what this, people telling them what they want to hear. Um, well, I'll say this. I'll say this. <clears throat> I'm somewhat neutral on it, but I am speaking with one of the few people that has thousands and thousands of TikTok views mm -hmm. ranting That's about it. how much they hate the digital board ads. Another reason to follow at Sports Talk WPG on TikTok. You never know Remus's rant is going to show up, but... Uh, it was passionate. How many how many views on that one? I got like 130,000 views ranting. <laughs> People are really engaged about it. Um, what else did he say? The polling, like, I don't know who which fans they're polling. Uh, he says, the polling we do with our fans gives us the feedback that it's a non-issue. Many think it looks better than having the numerous logos on the dashboards. It's working well. I'm sure what's working well is they're getting so much uh, more money from people who can advertise. And... It's called. He says, if you're watching the game, it's not a distraction. However, they are designed to be a distraction. There's a great Twitter thread I retweeted from this uh, Dan Badgley on, on Twitter. Go check my account, at Emrimas. I retweeted it. And he just breaks down why it actually hurts your eyes, and you don't even realize that it's doing it. <laughs> uh, one of the big reasons is when, you know, when the camera pans back and forth, you get motion blur on the players, but the board's remain in focus and it, and it tricks you. Um, there, that's one of the, one of the big ones. And it just gives you an uneasy feeling because that along with, you know, having to track the puck, um, I will, give, I would love to know in chat. I would love to know in chat, how many people, um, are with Remo that this is a major, major problem. And how many people are like me that haven't really noticed it too much. They're terrible. Not really too big I, of a deal. I don't, I'm not as angry as I was at the beginning of the season, but I watch, uh, I watch them. They suck. Um, when the camera like switches angles and there it's a different ad and it's changing all the time during the play and you have the one with the car driving on the boards, they suck. They need to go. Um, BA says uh, use the ads to set off ticket prices. We'd all 
be way more welcoming to things like jersey sponsorships and new ways of doing ads if it got ticket prices down I'm not holding my breath anytime soon. Okay, I'll put out a poll before we go. And so I'll actually give Gary Bettman credit, though. He was asked um, about adding a wild card round in the playoffs, like a play-in round. They've done this in the NBA, and they've done it in um, baseball, too. And he said no, and he said we would be fixing something that's not broken. And I applaud Gary Bettman because it would be so easy for them to add another round of playoffs, sell sell it on TV, get so much money for it, but they are not doing that, saving the integrity of the playoffs. Well done, Gary Bettman. I, I, yeah, that's 16 great. teams, eight series to get going, best of seven. You, half the teams are eliminated after an 82-game regular season, and that should be the minimum, frankly, that are booted after playing for as long as the NHL regular season does. So, yes, indeed, I'm certainly with the commissioner on that, and... uh you know, sometimes, you know, depending on what team you cheer for and where they're at, it might change your view of that. But with the Jets in first right now, uh, and certainly in control of their own destiny, they should be a playoff team and not one that needs an extra round to get in. Hey, I will say, though, you know, we said what you would raise. Um, the point system is totally broken. Can't have some games worth two points, some games worth worth three. That's, that's the look. I mean, we've it's, been banging this drum for 10 years. And then... So. The playoff system within the division is stupid and uh, creates unfair matchups because of division. I would like one to eight. I would definitely like we one to eight. Needs you want to go give, back. Uh, you want to go one and two for the two division winners. Totally fine with that. Uh, but it certainly does make sense. And they have a hybrid of that with the two wildcard teams getting in. It's just the matchups in the first round that don't particularly make sense. All right. Last call for marbles, everybody. Shout out to everyone that's joined us, even a few latecomers. I hope we got some podcast listeners that are maybe normally listening on audio that know what's going on that have popped in right now. Uh, Remo's going to close it off, and we will get everything ready to go. And in the meantime, let me hit a busy, busy night on the Cool Bet lines. First of all, we do have a special Lock Shop partner parlay today. I, of course, am backing the Jets. Dusty in Edmonton is back in the Oilers, and our buddy Jake Bolin Moss in Toronto is backing the Leafs. Leafs, Jets, and Oilers all to win tonight, plus 300. Uh, I will certainly be on that, um, and I'll be back in the Jets tonight. And you know, I think I did a good move last night. I figured that when we got the news this morning, the Vegas Golden Knights lineup, that line would move. Yesterday, the Jets were minus 122 favorites. Right now, it's minus 138, and I think that just speaks to how decimated the Vegas blue line is and the fact that Jack Eichel is out for tonight's game. So Winnipeg, minus 138. Vegas, with that great road record, plus 117 for tonight's matchups. Uh, the other games, Boston, a huge home favorite, minus 248 against the Islanders. Uh, really close to a pick but the Kings, a slight road favorite in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. The Canes laying minus 162 on the road against the Red Wings have had a nice start to the season. Wings have been good as a home dog so far. They're plus 137. The Panthers taking on the Blue Jackets. Uh, Paul Maurice wasn't too pleased with his club coming out over the weekend and that loss to, uh, I believe it was Seattle. Blue Jackets plus 245 and the Panthers laying minus 300 as a home favorite, a heavy home favorite. I think the biggest one on the board tonight, except for the Leafs. Who are minus 463 against the Anaheim Ducks. Ducks paying plus 360. Lightning minus 186 against the Seattle Kraken. And the Dallas Stars 
plus 138 going back to back against the New Jersey Devils, who are minus 163. Pittsburgh did the Jets a solid one. They're six straight against Dallas last night. Uh, you got the uh, Blackhawks and Capitals tonight as well. Caps been playing well, as we all know. Minus 220 for the Caps, plus 185 for the Blackhawks. Uh, late game out in Colorado. The Philadelphia Flyers, the lowly Flyers come to town. And even with the avalanche injury problems, they're minus 235. Sharks minus 185 against the Arizona Coyotes tonight. And that is the final game. 12 games tonight in the National Hockey League. I'm going to have to do my pick a little later on. And I'm feeling the Jets tonight. Minus 138 against the Vegas Golden Knights. And don't forget that the exclusive with the Oilers in Nashville Leafs playing the Anaheim Ducks and the Jets at home to the Vegas Golden Knights. You can find that up at the Cool Bet exclusives. And if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. And I do want to give the guys at Cool Bet a big shout out. Last night, if you're watching the Monday Nighter, Kyler Murray went down with a non-contact injury on the third play of the game. There was a ton of Kyler Murray props. In fact, one of my plays of the day was Kyler Murray over 35 and a half yards rushing from the lock shop. That was obviously dead. And then, as Coolbet put out later on, I'll just read it for you. This is another big solid from uh, the best customer service in the business. Injury refund alert. We are refunding the following wagers and bet credits. Straight Kyler Murray prop bets. Any parlays or bet builders where a Murray prop was the only losing leg. All bet credits issued over the next 24 hours. So that was nice. And again, great start to the week. Nothing can stop the over three and a half field goal prop in prime time. Was a great way to get going. A few of the exclusives hit as well. So lots going on at Cool Bet. Of course, a huge, huge night in the National Hockey League, including this one here in Winnipeg. All right. To the marbles we go. Thanks again to Consolidated Supply for their support of us and Marbles Mania through the month of December. Again, race number four today, top three marbles will qualify for the final championship race on December 30th. We've got a sweet new logo for the Marbles Tournament of Champions. I love it. Great work on that one, Remo. And yes, December 30th, all our qualifying marbles will be in. If you're not able to get in the race, you're listening on the podcast, or you just can't qualify, go to winnipegsports.com slash marbles. There's another way to enter. We'll be picking three in from there. And keep an eye out and be listening to the show for another way to enter via Instagram. We're going to work with Consolidated Supply, get a post up with there. So we'll have three or so we'll have six more qualifiers from outside of our 12 races. But right now, it's about race number four and three more qualifiers. And uh, again, marbles every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk right until Christmas. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Remo, what's the story for today's race? I got to play the song. Uh, shout out to Tristan Rivers. He does the Marble Race theme song, and I had asked him to do an acoustic version for fun. He did that on Friday, and then he's really went above and beyond. He had the Foo Fighters version on yesterday's show, and there's a, yet another uh, in the style of a certain musical artist for today's show. I'm not going to say, I think people in chat like guessing. Well, perfect, perfect. Uh, the man himself, the legend, Tristan Rivers Music, with another version of the WST Marbles intro song right now before qualifying race number four in the Tournament of Champions. It's Friday! 
better uh every every day um i would say that certainly with the font and the guitar licks acdc themed yes it was acdc showed it to a couple people in chat who got it first uh, i think kevin kowalik chickster uh some people said april wine some people said uh motley crew but yeah the the guitar and the font kind of gave it away uh so yeah well done uh tristan Beautiful. Um, all right. I forgot to mention this yesterday, and I think it was at Leo Polveroso that uh, that won. Yes. Leo, we need your contact info. Send us an email to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. I want to make sure we've got all that. And SK, I see you in the chat. You qualified two races ago. We don't have your contact info. Just send us a quick uh, email with uh, your name, number, and all that, and we'll make sure we've got your deets if, in fact, you win the tournament of champions in the bomber season tickets. So here we go. Race number four of 12 in the 12 days of marbles in the consolidated supply WST marbles tournament of champions. Oh, this looks like the dojo today. Remo. Is that yeah. where we're at? We're at the dojo, 217 people. And yes, uh, Winnipeg sports slash marbles. Uh, get into, we'll have an offline, uh, offline draw. So you got another shot in there. You got it. Get on over to the website. Make sure to follow us on all the social channels. And if you haven't already, make sure that you have hit that thumbs up for today's episode. All right. Another big turnout for Marbles to end the program on Winnipeg Sports Talk tonight. We're in the dojo. Three Marbles will survive and make it on to the December 30th, 2022 grand finale of Winnipeg Sports Talk and win season tickets for from our friends at Consolidated Supply for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Remo, without further ado, uh, let's drop them and see who makes it out of the dojo. This is always an interesting start. Who do we have here first? Chris. Chris P. Looking pretty good. EK Posty's taking a weird, weird look. Larry Eloy. What's up, Larry? Got to give Larry a shout out. Larry uh, fired me off a Air Canada lounge pass, which I used coming back from Doha, which was very, very appreciated. EK Posty looking good. He's on the right. Larry Eloy leading on the left. Who else? We got Dave McLean in the mix. Chris P. Everyone getting thrown out of the dojo right now. Chris P. EK Posty. Oh, we just had a Cabillus over the top rope. He's oh my out. God. Wow. There is a lot of people getting thrown out in the dojo right now. Chris P, EK Posty, still looking good. Chris P actually with a with a pretty nice lead right now. 
EK Posty still in the mix. Whoa, did somebody just get... Who do we got here? Bartholomew? There is an absolute bloodbath right now in the dojo. I don't remember this many people getting thrown out the last time we did the dojo. Right now, this is a survival game. Don't get thrown out. Who's in the mix? Chris P's just hanging around, but he's not going very fast. B.A. Booger, Chris P., and Bartholomew right now, the top three. We've got some more marbles running in, and now we've got some obstacles in this final uh, final track right now. B.A. Booger looking pretty good. Bartholomew and Chris P. banging into some of these rods right now. Who will escape? B.A. Booger. Hugh and Chenko. Hugh with a big, big push at the end. Who? Oh, what he happened? just got thrown over the top rope. <laughs> there he goes. It's going down. <clears throat> oh, my God, Hugh. That was a heartbreaker. Bartholomew. Tristan Rivers music. Come on. Unbelievable. <laughs> Our final. We have like Hugh getting thrown out. That was an absolute travesty. A travesty, if you will. But Bartholomew is our winner. Tristan Rivers music. Oh, and Ross Ransby. Roscoe gets the third spot today. Oh, amazing. Well, that was quite the race. Um, there were some serious casualties of marbles, Remo. I mean, that made the Royal Rumble look like a, uh, a dark match, if you will. The <laughs> amount of people that got thrown over the top rope. I thought um, who B.A. Booger was in there. Chris P. was in there for a while. Hugh, Hugh came out of nowhere, out of that uh, congestion. And then all of a sudden, like, flew over the top rope. I'd never seen anything like that. So uh, Bartholomew coming in with Tristan and Ross. Rand I'm sure Ross's staff is going to go home early now. Oh, yeah. They might be off for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that he qualified. Ross, of course, obviously has the head-to-head -head bet against <laughs> Bozeman, which is one of my favorite longstanding traditions of the marble race. Uh, and now that Ross not only won today, but qualified for the Tournament of Champions, I think everyone's going home tonight. Maybe they're all going to the game tonight as well. We get tickets for everyone. I won't give Ross any ideas. Anyways, great race today. The dojo, that was a, uh, that was carnage, exactly like Tico and Apolli just said. So Bartholomew, congratulations. Tristan Rivers' music, I mean, I think it's just good vibes from all these great songs he's supplying us. He's now in the final, and Ross Ransby. Guys, uh, just send us a quick email with your deets at Winnipeg, or winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com just so we can contact you and, uh, have you on file in case you win the bomber season tickets, courtesy of Consolidated Supply. Um, great show today. Tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun, Remo, uh, because we'll have Murata Tesh, and we're also going to have one of our all-time favorites, Trevor Kidd. I know Kidd's been doing a bunch of the games, both with CGOB and kicking it with Sarah on the Jets post-game show afterwards, and he's going to join us tomorrow to break down everything we see tonight at Canada Life Centre. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say only 76 of the 217 marbles finished that race. So it was definitely a bloodbath. And yes, wow. looking forward to having uh, Trevor on tomorrow to touch on tonight's game. It should be a great one. Rivalry night, but uh, only maybe only in the eyes of Jets fans, not, not Golden Knights fans. 
You know what? Whatever our rating on the rivalry is, it's a big two points. It's against a first-place team. It's a great opportunity to get back in the win column after an underwhelming game, I think, compared to the way the team had played against the other opponents Sunday night and against Washington. Um, and most of all, time to regain first place solo, although Dallas is playing tonight as well. Um, all in all, should be a great night. We will break it down tomorrow for you. Um, by the way, I'll actually be on OB as well tonight from about 5 to 5.45. So if you're heading to the game, throw that on. I'll be chopping it up with, I believe, Dane Dwinkle, Whitechuck, and Kelly Moore. Uh, and then we'll be up in the 300s tonight. So if you see me, say hi. Cannot wait for this one tonight and looking forward to talking about it and breaking it down tomorrow with you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Thanks to everyone, especially you marble racers out there. You'll have another chance to get in the top three tomorrow with another marble race. And again, we're doing them right through until Christmas, qualifying three a day for the Tournament of Champions final on December 30th. That's going to do it for us, gang. Have a great night. Enjoy the Jets and Golden Knights. We'll break it down for you tomorrow right here on WST. Have a good one. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.